operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back and better than ever. Comic Revolution Podcast. I am Rock by my side. My four-color partner, Steven. Hi. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think I get that reference. Come on, four-color <laughs> comics, four-color media. Oh. Jeez, Steven. Sorry. God, Sorry, millennials, comic, we don't of, know anything. What kind of comic nerd are you? Nah. <sighs> I'm a millennial. I don't know nothing. You don't remember <laughs> comics back when they, when they used to be colored with a little dot? You know, the little, um, the little ink dots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no. My uncle had a few of those, I think. Yeah. (laughs) The range of, really, it's true. The range of the biggest advancement in comics since I was a kid is not the writing or the art or the paper or the packaging, it's the colors. Yeah. It's the colors. It's insane. Hmm. Because you you read an old comic, like the color palette, I mean, it's it's a four color, it is, it's a a literal four color color palette. And it's, Pretty basic compared to what you see now, which is like, wow, yeah, stunning overload. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's so much nicer though. That's really the biggest. I think oh, the biggest yeah. advancement. Color, hmm. really amazing. Anyhow, Interesting. Um, my friend, we have quite a few selection of comics. Yeah. to tackle. That's right. Um, three from the uh, House of the Mouse. Mm-hmm. And three from DC, where they sell comics and make memories. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> uh, from Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man seven ninety eight. Mm-hmm. We have Avengers six eighty seven. You're excited. Uh, still going. <laughs> and Venomized number one. You know, Stephen. There's some times where my my inability to resist a comic with the number one stamped on the cover really gets me into trouble. And this would be one of them. <laughs> I regretted it about five pages into the comic. I was like, oh, "Yeah, oh no, why did I pick this for the podcast? <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. If you didn't know by the name or the concept. Everyone's venomized. Yeah. It's as if he had a movie coming out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> from DC, we have Batman 44, mm-hmm. Superman 44. I'm liking this consistent uh, little... Uh, the numbering? Yeah, I like this I consistent numbering thing. And Justice League number 42. That's not consistent. That, that, that's not consistent. <laughs> uh, let's start with Marvel like we Zero always do. Zero night out of ten. I that, do, exactly. <laughs> I expect more consistency. Uh, let's see, Steven. Let's start in Marvel. Oh, let's just start with Avengers 687, shall we? Yay. Yay. As the cover tells us, Stephen, we are on part 13 of the story arc. Kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the words are brought to us by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zob. <laughs> I have to keep it together here. The pencils by Paco Medina, the inks by Juan Velasco, the colors by Jesus Abertov and Federico Blee. Stephen... We begin with uh, the all the Avengers realizing that the Voyager 
that Voyager was a fraud. She really wasn't a member of the Avengers, that her memories, the memories that were put in their mind were fake. And uh, Voyager is realizing that uh, something's happened to her dad. And Janet Van Dyne goes, look, um, the world's in trouble. Uh, you, you need to start talking, coming clean. Mm-hmm. And Voyager admits that her father, the Grandmaster, planted her as part of this uh, game he's having with a challenger. Mm-hmm. And she just basically gives a backstory to, about her dad. Okay. Right. We then cut to the living quarters of the Avengers Auxiliary Headquarters, mm-hmm. where uh, Bruce Banner is um, recovering. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jarvis comes over and uh, says, here, have a little coffee. And then proceeds, and, and, and of course, Bruce is like, I just can't face the Avengers right now. He's, he's, he's embarrassed. He, he hates himself. He's, he's evil. He's a villain. He's a monster. Right. Not a hero. Mm-hmm. He feels terrible. And, um, and he mentions how he, he wanted to die because, you know, when, when Hawkeye shot him, he was happy that he was dying because he knew the Hulk would die too. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, not so much, um, you know. Yeah. He goes, this is hell. I'm in hell. And this prompts Jarvis to, quote, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. And that is John Milton Paradise Lost, easily one of my favorite, favorite mm-hmm. literary pieces. One of, the I, be- I, one of the best ever written. I, I took a class in college. That, mm-hmm. And half of the class, we spent literally half the semester just on Paradise Lost. Yes. It is phenomenal. If you've never read mm-hmm. it, Go read it. It's yep. just, it's amazing, and yes. it is still relevant today. Mm-hmm. It, oh that, yeah, that's the quality. That's the, that's yeah. the, that's that's how you know when you got quality writing. Mm-hmm. It is as powerful and as relevant in present day yes. society. Uh, and and Bruce properly points out, you might want to consider who uh, Milton wrote that for. That was for the fallen angel for Lucifer. Lucifer. Yep. And uh, Jarvis like, yeah, it's after he was expel- expelled uh, from the divine presence. He goes, look. Jarvis goes, I won't lie to you. You have the, you have great evil inside of you, capability mm-hmm. of great evil inside of you, but you're also more than that. You're also a hero, and it's been my privilege to serve heroes just like you, and that, you know what, we're Avengers. What are we avenging? What crimes are we avenging? He goes, sometimes I think it's our own because our own failures, our own mistakes. We're, mm-hmm. We've done less than we could have. Um, we've all been exiled from the divine, and that we, what, and we all must do better, but what, what we're judged by is not how far we've fallen, but how hard we work to rise again. This is the high point of the issue, Stephen. Yeah. This, this... Uh, yeah, one, Alfred is really... Two, I mean, um, three, Jarvis is really uh, <laughs> spreading the knowledge here. He is, he is. This four-page scene yeah. is easily mm-hmm. the best part of the issue. Yeah. And I don't even think it's close. No. I mean, no, not even close. This the four-page part of the issue is... It's fantastic. Yes. It is so well-written. Mm-hmm. Jarvis, I've always loved Jarvis. Yes. He's, he's a great, he's a great Avenger, uh, little mainstay. <laughs> he is. He's just, he just, he's just great. Yes. And um, so, and Banner dealing with Bruce's return, and mm-hmm. this is this is the first time we've really gotten to see Bruce since the Hulk has come back to yeah. life. So getting his reaction compared to the Hulk's reaction of coming back to life, mm-hmm. um, it's really well done. Yeah. I think it has lots of emotion. Mm-hmm. I think it feels very real. Yeah. It it feels very natural. It 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 is a powerful scene and yeah. I love Jarvis's dialogue 
Mm-hmm. And I think the use of, um, I love when writers are able to weave classic literature mm-hmm. into modern day storytelling, because I think um, like we, we, we talked about in a, the last podcast when we were talking about what we could do to what Marvel DC could do to change the comic industry mm-hmm. and how you admitted, look, I, I know the whole, the whole, uh, the, the whole belief that there are really only five stories to tell right. and that we just find different ways to tell them mm-hmm. throughout human history. Right. And I think that um, you can expand upon that by saying, you sure. know, the great the classic literature, the mm-hmm. classic literature, Western literature, okay, yeah. classic mm-hmm. Western literature of, of the 17, uh, 17 and 1800s mm-hmm. have essentially told all the stories we can tell. Yeah. And that we simply retell those Tales from mm-hmm. the 1700s, 1800s yes. of, of Western literature. Yeah. Um, and repackage them for a modern audience. Mm-hmm. And I like when, so because I believe that is true, mm-hmm. after, I mean, I'm a lit major, I love literature, but I do believe that's the truth. Yeah. Not that there isn't modern stuff that's wonderful. It's, oh, sure. That's not dismissing modern stuff. It's just, no. that's what we've done. It, mm-hmm. And I like when they use classic literature as to, to, as the foundation for what the modern storytelling is, because that's what we're doing. We are just retelling things. That's why mythology has existed forever. Yeah. Humans have to retell this, and all mythology tells the same story in different Mm -hmm. settings with different characters, but it's telling the same stories over and over. Humans have this natural urge to retell the same stories. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. Yeah. That's what what comic books are. Right. And I like when they use classic literature as a foundation for (laughs) for the current tale. And this is really well done. Paris Lost is really applicable. Yes. Really applicable for Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Yeah. And I've never um I've never thought of it that that's what superheroes do. Like superheroes are right. outcasts or they're different in some way or they have something that they're running from or whatever. And I mean you could mostly apply that to almost all of them. It for sure applies to Marvel superheroes. Yes. Maybe definitely. not as much DC's superheroes which yeah. tend to be mm-hmm. more of the because of the, of the foundation, the classic Golden Age-themed mm-hmm. hero. Mythological, you might say. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But for sure, for the Marvel superheroes, yeah. I and I never thought about it before. I read this as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think Paradise Lost applies perfectly to Marvel's superheroes. Yes. Because they all have seemed to have been mm-hmm. outcast from the divine. They all seem to have fallen, and they all struggle to get up. Every right. single one of them, mm-hmm. from Peter Parker to Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. To Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's, it, on and on and on and on. Right, and even like uh, someone like like Steve Ro- like Steve Rogers is very much a, a Superman kind of character. Not the powers, but the personality, the spirit, and all that. And he's one of the few Golden Age characters right. that's in the Marvel universe. But even still, even if you look at the things that he's been through in the comics, yep. he still counts. Yes, agreed. Uh, totally agree. Right. So, I, I we're about to tear this issue a new one, Stephen. So I wanted, to, I wanted to hit pause <laughs> as we finish this one scene so I could give yeah. proper praise to what I thought was a just a fascinating scene. I loved right. this scene. Mm-hmm. I loved it. As it's, a long-time Hulk fan, as a long-time Avengers fan, mm-hmm. I just love that scene. Right. It's And, you know, I get nervous whenever I start seeing more literary things quoted in a comic book because <laughs> it can go so wrong oh, in I so agree. many ways. Uh, yes, but agreed. they did it really well here. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And then, unfortunately, we cut back to the medical bay <laughs> and the wheels yeah. come off the issue. Eh. And we get back to they're trying to save Vision and Living Lightning is, is beating himself up for the Vision getting hurt because Lightning wasn't strong enough to take down the Hulk. And, mm-hmm. and we get the whole thing of Wonder Man going... 
you think it's all about just how much you can throw at a person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if raw power is all that made an Avenger, we would have fired Hawkeye on the first day. All he does is shoot arrows. Again, Hawkeye just has to be the punchline. But I thought that one was funny, though. It is, but it's just like, <laughs> damn, like, because he is portrayed as such a joke, it's like, man, that, he cannot yeah. buy, he cannot, he can't buy a break, in. Yeah, had, had he, it, it would have been funnier had that not been what they turned his character into. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point, you know, Dr. Ho mentioned, sounds like someone's been reading the message boards lately, and... Uh, that killed it, because I didn't, I didn't mind, I thought this was actually... All right, and right. then they said that. And I'm like, oh god! I was like, okay. oh, we're bringing up message boards. Like, <sighs> uh, come on, don't we don't? You know, we can, read can, the stuff that the kids read. Yeah, making I, memories. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just like you know, I, I whenever they start referencing message boards or Twitter, I feel like it's almost an attack on fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, don't wage war on your fans. Like, like business rule number one: don't wage war on your fans. Yes. Wrong or right. Yeah. You can't do that. Because sometimes your fans are idiots. Sometimes they're wrong. But wrong yeah. or right. You can't. That is bad optics, and it's one you'll never win. Yes. Don't wage war on your fans. Yeah. Because you need their money more than they need your product. Bingo. Yeah. So, Unless you're toothpaste. Right? Exactly. <laughs> then everybody needs you. <laughs> nice nice callback, Steve. And so, um, and so they continue to debate, you know, what is to be an Avenger? And then Quicksilver's like, yeah, everyone shut up. I, there's something spinning around here really fast. And... Um, and, I, and I'm trying to concentrate on it. And at that point, let me scroll back to the beginning because there's so many characters in this issue that I don't yeah. regularly, readily recognize. Is that Synapse? It is Synapse. Then Synapse walks in, who, by the way, I love her costume design. <laughs> yeah. It's a great <laughs> costume design. It's a good one. A plus on that. She walks in, and she's like, um, oh, you okay? You know, you okay, Quicksilver? And he's like, you know, she's like, basically, you know, you, you shouldn't be talking to me after what just happened to you. And she's like, oh, you know, hey, we all get hurt. We don't blame anybody. It's part of the job. Right. And then Quicksilver's like, there it is. Boom. And he finds this little flashing, this little light, this little beacon. And he like races around while everyone's frozen. Uh, he's racing around to chase this thing that's moving um, outside the visual spectrum of light. Mm-hmm. So he's, it's moving, he, he claims the beacon's moving almost frictionless and outside the visual spectrum of light, and he's able to grab it. Right. Quicksilver's got a power-up. He is yeah. way faster than he used to be. Yeah. He is way faster. That's like mm-hmm. Barry Allen fast. Yeah. Which I like, don't get me wrong. Sure. I've always thought, I've always hated it when they depowered, <laughs> I, I've always hated when they depowered Quicksilver to the point where he was like, well, he's as fast as the speed of sound. Sound. You know, you're like, no. If you have a speedster, make him flash fast. Yeah. He should be, and here he's outrunning something that can move outside the visual spectrum of light. Uh That's pretty damn fast. Oh, yeah. That's pretty damn fast. So he catches it, and then he goes, all right, I'll be right back. Boom, takes off. Okay. (laughs) We don't know what's going on there. And then we get more exposition. Oh, my God, Stephen. Voyager then proceeds to retell us who the... Who the the, the elders of the elders universe. of the universe yes. are? As if we, we didn't don't know already. already know this, yeah. Stephen. Why? Why and, wasn't this explained in the first uh, issue? And then she goes through and who the, who the her, her father, the grandmaster, the gamesman of the universe, and it's the challenger, in. and who they are. And, and then <laughs> recounts. And then recounts. Oh my God, Stephen recounts <laughs> the first. 
the first 12 issues of this <laughs> damn story arc on how uh, Mo- oh they, my they, god the challenger the challenger got the the, 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 black, the black order, order. my dad got the lethal legion we Did proceeded pre- to go, oh <laughs> my god we just read this i did i need the story from like 10 weeks ago. 10 weeks ago, Stephen. It's a weekly comic. It's a weekly comic. It was 10 weeks ago that I got this. Oh my God. I don't have the attention span of a TT fly. <laughs> Holy crap. How stupid do you think your reader is? Uh, you, you know what this reminds Just like, oh. Hello. Yeah. McFly. Hello. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Bueller. Yes! <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> I mean, holy crud. And then the challenger, he's evidently killed the Grandmaster, which the Grandmaster isn't dead. He's, he's, gonna, he's dead, an elder no. of the universe, for crying out loud. Yeah. And uh, he challenges, like, you'll not dishonor me even after our game is completed. I'm going to destroy everything. Like, yeah, destroy the board and all this crazy. It's like, yeah, okay, okay so the challenger's like about as compelling of a villain as a two-year-old having a temper tantrum, <laughs> banging their head on the floor. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we see, you know, uh, tidal wave on Earth, earthquake hitting, lightning striking things down. And they're like, oh, my God, every natural disaster possible. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure some kaiju are rampaging Tokyo as oh, we of speak. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and, and Voyager calls out for her dad. He's not there. And, and Wasp, that's right, Wasp. Janet Van Dyne, yes. Wasp, because there's only one Wasp, wasp. and it's Janet Van Dyne. Wasp. I don't care what anyone says. It's <laughs> not this ridiculous Hope Pym, Nadia Pym, whatever the hell she is. No, it's <laughs> Janet Van Dyne. Yes. But wait, how nice is it to see Janet Van Dyne back in an Avengers comic? Oh, yeah, I forgot in she was costume. even in this. <laughs> I forgot she was in it, too. I completely forgot she was in it. But it's great to see her in costume with Avengers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I love Janet's character. Yeah. She's such a great character. I really, <laughs> you know, gosh darn it, Marvel. It's too bad you don't give us more of this classic Avenger character. Yeah. Especially when you want to have more women in comics. Oh, there she you go. whiz. Don't use an original Avenger like Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. Ugh. Anyhow, uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so Janet Stan because by the way, people are gonna remember because We've ignored Janet Van Dyne. We before we killed her off, we ignored her, yeah. and then we killed her off, and then we brought her back and ignored her. She, she was basically was, dead, and then she died, and then yeah, yeah. She was a a a great character who did lead the Avengers. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. FYI, if people don't know about Wasp. Really super cool. Yeah. Janet's awesome. Um, she knows how to cowboy up in times of crisis, yes. and she does. Saying, "All right, Voyager, snap out of it, girl. Give us the info on how we how we solve this problem." Yes. And so she takes charge. I like that part. And uh, and she's basically grabbing and, and Voyager by the shoulders and smack her in the face, you know, like the yeah. old like smack come to yeah. you know kind of moment. You need to <laughs> get it together, soldier. Pull yourself together. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we need your help. I don't care what you've done, you know, all the shady stuff you've done up until now. We need yeah. your help now. And then we see uh, teleporting onto the scene and a bolt of lightning. The Challenger delivering. A lovely closing line to this issue, Stephen. If this planet is a pestilence upon the universe, it is time for it to be purged. So is he the purifier or is he the challenger? I don't get it. Anyhow, Stephen. Also, also from Paradise Lost. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Avengers 687, Stephen. Lay it on me. What do you think? Um, okay, so I'm of two minds on this issue. Yes. The first mind is, wow, 
Something happened this time. <laughs> yeah. There true. was there was real dialogue. Yes. There's some characters. Yes. There was stuff moved and yes. I felt like there was a progression of something. Yes. It's like holy crap. After all this time could we finally be getting a good issue and yes. then no. no. Let's ex let's exposit uh, the first 12 issues. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> I was uh, like, Jesus. Really? <laughs> I mean, I thought we were onto something with the Jarvis Bruce Banner scene. Yeah. That's good character work. Mm-hmm. And then I thought we were going to get some plot progression with uh, Quicksilver flying this little beacon. Yeah. Right? No. And then he races off, and we're done. We're yeah. done. We're just going to get some exposition yep. and the challenger arriving. Yeah. Um, Got it. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Super fantastic. So why are we waiting until issue 13 to explain who the elders of the universe and, and, are? And by the way, let's be honest. The first one, two, three, four, five pages uh, before the first five pages before we get to the Bruce yeah. Banner Jarvis scene were just a rehash of, of the what the Voyager issue, had been doing yeah. in the previous issues. Yeah. So the first five issues rehash, and then you got the four issues of Jarvis and Bruce Banner, good. And then you got one, two, three. Four pages afterwards with Quicksilver find the little beacon. Okay, that's good. And then we went back to one, two, Two, three, three, four, five, five, six, seven of just rehashing past. So so first five pages, last seven pages. That's over half the issue. Yeah, yeah, it's 12 out of 22. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Not good. Yeah. Um, So that that was was, was garbage. Um, The... Uh, once again, I like the art. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse yep, by art's saying great. that. The art's great. Um, and especially during the, the scenes that are good, like the emotional moments yes. where they have to convey a lot. Really good with the facial expressions. Mm-hmm. The art the art is great with the facial expressions in that scene. Really is. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. And um, and you know they get to have the the classic little explosions at the end, and oh everything's falling apart. So you know, like that looks cool too. And then it's only for like a page. Yep. that you see it. Yes, it's like oh well, that looks kind of yeah, great art. That looks like that sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but yeah, the the strength is the the character work for the first time in how long? Oh jeez, forever. Um, we finally have more than just one character getting some decent. Yes. Time. Yes. Because um, you have uh, Bruce Banner and Jarvis, which that scene is, we've talked about that. It's great. Yes. Um, oh, another dead horse. Let's go beat that one. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I did like the scene with uh, Wonder Man. Yes. Espousing his flaw. It's kind of a continuation. I agree. On before. But I agree. I agree. You know, Wonder Man is an interesting character in terms of how he approaches being a superhero. I totally agree. And it's one we don't see very often yep. in either Marvel or DC. Wonder so. Woman's about the closest as you'll see. Right. And even she throws down more than Wonder Man. Oh, yeah. So. And we have that. And I, and I love the bit with the Wasp where she's just finally like, okay, it's time to pull this ship together. Yep. I got this. Yep. But, um, so that's that's three. No, four. Jarvis. That's yes. Four. Yes. And, um, yeah, the Voyager's still lame. Yeah, one-dimensional. Who cares? Um, that comment about the message boards was super lame from a yeah. character. I don't even know who that is anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we're doing great with this gigantic, absurdly large cast of characters. Yes. 
Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think <laughs> I think the the highlight of the show, the the character work, I really enjoyed. Obviously, uh, Jarvis and Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the character work with Wonder Man as well. I'm yes. right there with you. And mm-hmm. I actually liked the uh, the interplay between Wonder Man and Living Lightning. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice way to try to give, um, try to use an established character, give a rub to a newer character. Right. And I think it's important that they try to establish some of these newer characters, and Living Lightning being. Um, uh, uh, Latino, right? Um, I, I like to see him getting a little bit of of uh, an opportunity to to display some personality, right? And to try to grow as a character and mm-hmm. try to become more of an Avenger. So I like that as well. Mm-hmm. I also liked the. I honestly, I like the interplay between um, uh, Synapse and uh, Quicksilver. Right. Um, I thought that was while while short, very effective. And I like that. That's true. And yeah, again, yeah, yeah. you're using a more established character in Quicksilver to help out a newer character in Synapse. In Synapse yeah. I do like how she looks, though. I just think that's a cool costume, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, I it's agree. It's a cool costume. I think she's got potential. Um, uh, I don't know what her power set is, um, but, you know, I think, because uh, she's a character I'm just not familiar with. She's right. Newer characters I've done. And I don't read in human titles. I try to open anything with the humans in it. <laughs> right. Um, but that was a good <laughs> moment to use. I thought that was a good interplay between those two characters mm-hmm. as well. So you had, and then the last bit of good character work was Janet at the very end, yes. basically, you know, cowboying up and smacking Voyager uh, around and getting mm-hmm. her back on target. Getting her in her place, out. yeah. Someone's got to stand up and be the leader. And I like that it's Janet Van Dyne, uh, especially when you consider the other Avengers that are um, around her at the time. Mm-hmm. I like that it's it's not Wonder Man. It's not the Falcon. It's not the Falcon. It's it's Janet. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so those are the positives. Yes. Unfortunately, like you said, it all derails by five pages. The first five pages, recycling what we got before. Mm-hmm. And the last seven pages, recycling what we got before. Right. And just the story depth is super shallow. Yes. And it's just moving slowly. And Oh, is it? <laughs> oh god. And so, you know, it just gosh, but it, I'll give it credit. It did this had more good than the previous That's couple issues you've reviewed, true. right? Yep. So, I got to give it that at least, huh? Yeah. Um how would you grade Avengers 687? Um the positive writing alone is going to bump it up. I'm going to give it a 6 for the writing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it an eight for the art. The art Ooh. is always great. I don't know how yeah. he does this in a week. I know. Impressive. That's crazy. But yeah, uh, good Good on you. I'm, I'm going to duplicate you. Um, six night girls out of 10 for the writing, eight night girls out of 10 for the don't art. Don't duplicate I me. know. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> okay. Lawsuit. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, gimmick infringement. Yeah. Uh, their next title will be Spider Man 698. I mean, sorry, 798. Right. This issue is brought to us by Dan Slott doing the mm-hmm. words, Stuart Immerman doing the pencils, yes. Wade Vaughn Graw Badger doing the inks, mm-hmm. Marte Garcia doing the colors. This is part two of a story arc mm-hmm. that centers all around the return of Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin. He yes. is back. He is more powerful than ever. He's found the Carnage symbiote, and he used the Carnage, the Carnage symbiote to combine with the Goblin formula to create an even more powerful uh, Green Goblin than ever before. Mm-hmm. He has uh, he tracked down Phil Urich, who was the the Goblin King, and uh, who had stolen some uh, tr- tritium. And uh, Norman oh. Osborn 
Oh, the the MacGuffin from Spider-Man yes. 2. There you go. There you you go. got it. And Norman kills the Goblin King, so there's only one Goblin. Mm-hmm. And he also uh, captures J. Jonah Jameson, who accidentally slips that uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Right. Because That's remember, Sp- Spider-Man got his memory, yeah. the memory of his secret identity erased mm-hmm. by Mephisto. Yep. So, in case you needed to be reminded of that, yeah, thanks, seriously. So that's that's the long short of the first part, yes, of the storyline. So this issue starts with uh, Peter Parker and his nerd crew of science geeks at the Daily Bugle. They're all mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on with uh, Green Goblin, mm-hmm. trying to find the Goblin King. Well, luckily for them, Green Goblin comes looking for them. Right. He smashes through the window, mm-hmm. and he's like, "It's on!" Like Donkey Kong, he wants to fight, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, Goblin's like, hey, Pete, I know you know uh, Spider-Man. You better go get him before everyone else dies. So Green right. Goblin's not tipping. He's not outing him. He's, he's not outing Peter Parker, which, refreshing. Right. Isn't that neat that a villain isn't doing that? Yeah. Like, surprising. <laughs> and then we cut to the Goblin's lair across town where J. Jonah Jameson is beating himself up for having slipped that uh, and telling Osborne that Peter is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And J. Jonah's like, I've, let, I've lost every. I know it's like to lose everyone. His dad, Marla, Maddie. He goes, I can't have Peter go through that. Can't have him lose all of his loved ones. And he's trying to break free of the rope. We come back to the Daily Bugle. Peter has left to try to find Peter Parker. And uh, Green Goblin it throws a sack at Ben Ulrich because Goblin King is his nephew, Ben's nephew. And uh, I love this. He throws the sack at Ben. Ben, who is a crime reporter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Betty goes, Ben, wait. Because uh, Goblin King says, uh, you know, hey, I found your, your nephew. You know, here, maybe you can change his mind. I found the easiest way to go is through the neck, is to go up through the neck. Throws the sap, sack at him. Ben, without, and Betty goes, Ben, wait. Without looking in the bag, Ben goes, don't worry, Betty. The shape's right. But the weight's all wrong. There's no way there's a human head in here. Wait, wait, how do you know? How do you know how much a human head weighs? Who knows that? Who knows that? What? Now, Ben's been through some shit. You know? Oh, my gosh. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> so he opens it. And of course, it's, it's a head. It's the statue's head. Right. Uh, wired to some tritium... And it's got a big explosive. It's going to go off in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so they start evacuating the building. And Spidey shows up right on time. And Ben's like, Spidey, you got 10 minutes before it blows off. Before it blows off. Spidey starts battling Osborne. And then we cut to the financial district. And we see Flash Thompson, who is now um, the anti-Venom. Yes. And he costumes up. And he walks inside. And, and he finds J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. And so he frees him. And J. Jonah's like, you got to get back. Uh, got to get back and tell... Uh, you know, Warren Spider-Man. We then cut to Liz Allen's apartment, and uh, uh, Norman's son is there mm-hmm. and with Liz, and um, they're hired help, as Liz calls her, very dismissively. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they find out, they get a call that, um, that uh, Norman is in town, and Harry is like, uh-oh. Right. And, um, and Liz is a little worried. And then the hired help pulls out a gun and shoots uh, everybody with uh, tranquilizer darts and takes the kid. Both kids. Ba-ba-bum. Okay. Oops. And <laughs> then we come back to the Daily Bugle, and the bomb's ticking down, and everyone's escaped from the building, and Peter Parker is like, all right, uses his web to make a cocoon around the bomb. Then he uses his web to make a 
cocoon around himself, and then <laughs> big explosion. And uh, Peter is okay. Mm-hmm. His, his plan worked, but we see Green Goblin. He has been impaled on some metal beams. Not visibly. Not visibly. But clearly he, he's clearly impaled. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, Peter's like, oh, no, he's dead. I wish I could have saved you. And Green Goblin's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. You don't understand. And suddenly yeah. he transforms into Carnage. Yes. Goblin. Goblin. Card. Card. Yes. Goblins. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and, of course, Spider-Man's like, F me. Yeah. And he starts, he starts battling him. And, of course, uh, um, you know, Carnage Goblin throws some, um, like, you know, the Green Goblin has little pumpkin bombs. Yeah. Lee throws, like, little Carnage pumpkin bombs. Except Spider-Man points out, Carnage bombs? That giggle and don't set up my spider sense? What the? <laughs> and the little bomb's like, ain't that, and that ain't all, bug brain. We bite, chomp, and one of them bites oh, him. Yep. And so Spider-Man crashes down and uh, is hiding in, a, in, a, in an abandoned warehouse. And Carnage Goblin looks around, can't find him. And Carnage Goblin's like, here's the deal. I don't really care about uh, your secret identity. Uh, all I care about is the spider, not the man. Mm-hmm. And I'll make you an offer. Uh, you stop being Spider-Man, and I won't go after anyone that you love. But mm-hmm. if you continue being Spider-Man, I'm going to kill everyone. Mary Jane and your Aunt May and J. Jonah Jameson and Betty and blah, blah, blah. Your freaking dentist. <laughs> he goes all Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. Right. Um, <laughs> and he goes, show me you understand. And we see uh, the Spider-Man costume on fire on a flagpole. Mm-hmm. Like a surrender. Right. And Peter goes, I'm burned, beaten, my left leg's torn apart, useless. I couldn't last three minutes with him, but you made a mistake, Norman, because I'm still here. I'm Peter Parker, the man in Spider-Man, and I'm the one who's going to take you down. End of issue. Amazing Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man 798. What do you think? Um This is you know, this is further proof that when I talk bad about Dan Slott, I'm not talking about him as a writer. <laughs> because he, he makes a pretty good comic. So he does. This is another one of them, I yep. think. Um, I am... <laughs> I cringe at every every mention of Carnage. Oh, me too. But I think it it's interesting the way that it's used. It makes Norman Osborn certainly more threatening. Oh, yes. Having him be in charge rather than the... Um, psycho. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's got, it's got pretty much everything you can want. It fits the four quadrants, you know, it's got the action. It's yep. got some, it's got some humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the art's great. Yes. I mean, Agreed. Stuart Eminem is one oh, of the best. He's fantastic. But, and I think it has, a um, some neat twists and turns in there as well. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like, had you not read the recap page, it would have been a total surprise. When Norman Osborn pulls out the carnage at oh, the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Oh, the surprise of Liz Allen's, quote-unquote, help. Right. Taking everybody out and mm-hmm. stealing the kids. And so Didn't they've see got, that coming. And it's got, it's got more than just one thing going on, which is also nice. Oh, lots of different plot lines. I yes. mean, you got J. Jonah Jameson and his mm-hmm. plot line. Mm-hmm. You got Flash Thompson as Anti-Venom and his plot line. You got the carnage plot line with... You got Peter Parker having to figure out how to deal with this while right. not being Spider-Man plot line. You got the plot line about um, uh, Liz Allen's kids mm-hmm. being kidnapped. You got you got lots going on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talk about uh, a, a story with 
lots of content and lots uh, for the reader to chew on. This mm-hmm. has plenty of depth. That's this has right. lots of plot. I mean, Slot is juggling a lot of plot lines at one time. That's yep. the kind of comic I like. Oh, yeah. I like when <laughs> I like when writers are going to be juggling three, four, five plot lines at one time. It's hard to do, no doubt. Yeah. But boy, does it make for some really. Um, it, it makes for some really. It's immersive. Yes. It makes for a really immersive uh, mm-hmm. reading experience. Right, and it it's. It saves it for being just a simple whatever. Because if you have more going on, it's like, oh, it makes you think about what happened before yes. and all that. So it gets you excited for yes. what's coming out. And it's really well paced. Yes. I mean, it moves at a real nice pace. Mm-hmm. It's it's quick, but not too fast. Yes. And um, great scene transitions. Oh, yeah. I think. Really mm-hmm. good, real good flow. Um, the plotting, like we said, fantastic. Yes. Moves forward with a purpose, and you have lots of plot lines all sliding around how they're all going to fit in together is the mm-hmm. fun part, right? Right. Lots <laughs> of adventure, lots of fighting, lots of action. Great, witty Spider Man, trademark Spider Man dialogue. Yes. <laughs> you know, big thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's got everything you want in a superhero title. Yeah. And. Playing off what we said in the last podcast, this is kid friendly. Yeah. Even though Green Goblin looks, he, he's he's impaled, but but he's not, but yeah. he's not impaled. I mean, he right. You you don't see it. Yeah. I mean, you can tell he <laughs> he looks like he's just lying there. Yeah, he's in a position where it looks like he's impaled, but you don't see anything. You don't see anything. Stick and throw him. Yeah. No, you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this is a great example. Mm-hmm. Great example of a comic I could give to a six year old. Yeah. And they would have fun. Oh, yeah. Because Spider-Man's cool, and he's funny, and Green Goblin is a great villain, and Carnage Green Goblin is like, ooh, power up. It's like, you yep. know, uh, like like anime or like <laughs> Power Rangers. They've just yep. powered up like a video game, you know? Yep. So it, it, it's a comic that a kid would love, and this is also clearly a comic that an adult would love because you, you, you've you got mm-hmm. plenty of yeah, plenty of stuff to do. Stuff. You want, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, I think this is a good example of how you can service both groups. Yes. Really easily. Oh, yeah, I agree with right? that. And the whole point of this comic is uh, to entertain you. Yes. No other ulterior motive. No. I mean, this this comic is a good comic to review after our last podcast. Yes. On what to do to fix the industry. Exactly. This does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, yeah, you're right. Stuart Irwin is a fantastic artist. Oh, yeah. So it's wonderfully laid out. You get a lot of creativity and diversity with the panel layouts, too. Mm-hmm. And it's really visually striking. And the... And the character this... work is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got a good personality. <laughs> Good external voice. Yeah, and and it's still you know like this a lot of most of these characters have been around forever, so oh, it yeah. still feels true. Yep. to to there. Well, maybe not the Ben Yurick thing, but that's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's, but that's, that's that's it's goofy. It's comic book goofy, right? Of course. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, how would you grade out Amazing Spider-Man seven ninety eight? Um, I would give the writing an eight and the art a nine. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I okay. really, I really, I mean. Norman Osborn Spider-Man fights are a dime a dozen, but having one like this that does feel unique and interesting right. is is really cool. All right, fair enough. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit different than you. I will do nine Night Girls out of ten for the writing. Oh, okay. Um, I just this is yeah what I'm looking for in a superhero comic. For, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I will go seven Night Girls out of ten for the art. I like mm. his art, but at times right. I think his faces look a little rushed and sketchy. Mm. My only criticism, but he's a great artist. Right. Great artist. Um, okay. Last one from Marvel. Oh, boy. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Venomized. Venomized number one. Mm-hmm. You got to have the good with the bad, Stephen. We just had a little bit of sweet with Amazing Spider-Man. Now we're going to have a little sour. 
Venomized number one. You know what? I tell you what. This is not a bad creative team. No. At all. You got Cullen Bunn as a writer who is a talented writer. Yeah, he is. Um, you got uh, Ivan Coelho, who I am not familiar with, but right. I will, spoiler alert, I like the art. Oh, yeah. This is nice mainstream superhero artwork. Yeah. Um, and uh, the colors by uh, Matt Yaki. Again, colors look fantastic. Bright, vibrant, great colors. Oh, yeah. So you got a good creative team. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when things are editorially mandated, Stephen, mm-hmm. the story isn't so great, is it? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> it, 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 we can we can sum this up in a couple sentences. Um, this this builds off of to be fair, this builds off the X Men Blue, Blue title that mm-hmm. we've been reviewing, right? Where the you've got the um, the young X Men, the the X Men from the past, who took Venom with them to help rescue. Um, he did, took Eddie Brock Venom mm-hmm. to go to another dimension. Right. I'm sorry. Eddie Brock goes to another dimension, mm-hmm. comes across the poisons. Right. And that's the species who travels the multiverse, Seeding harvesting symbiotes, symbiotes yeah. and consuming their superhuman hosts. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Eddie Brock destroys the, po- the poison threat, returns to our reality. Then he's kidnapped by the X-Men Blue team who right. needs his help rescuing Cyclops' dad's Corsair, Corsair yep. from the poisons. The poisons in our universe, mm-hmm. and um, in the midst of the rescue, they're attacked by a new contingent of poisons. And uh, in the ensuing battle, the uh, poisons consumed not only the bounty hunters but Dream Gray as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Venom and the X Men Blue team retreat back to Earth, hoping to warn the planet of the poison threat. Unfortunately, they come. The poison threat gets here first. Yes. So that's the long and short of it, right? That's Yes, that's the setup. Okay. And this issue has, uh, they decide, our, our, the poison attack Xavier Institute first because that's mm-hmm. where it has the highest, they attack the highest concentrations of, of, of superhumans, super yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Xavier Institute, that's attacked first. The, 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 it looks like uh, members of X-Force. Because you got to remember all these people from alternate universes. Right. So they um, they shoot everybody with their symbiote guns, mm-hmm. and everybody falls. Old Man Logan, Colossus, Nightcrawler, uh, everybody but Kitty Pryde. Yeah, because she phases through them. Yeah, that's right. Then we cut to New York City, and we see, uh, I do like this, with Lady Thor and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulk. Lady Thor and Hercules, Hercules exiting yeah. an Irish pub, the Leprechaun. <laughs> and then he's all like, there. <laughs> Hercules is all like, it's true, there were dozens of them, and though their gaze would turn you to stone, their touch was pure delight. <laughs> and Lady Thor goes, I've heard this story before, Hercules. Last time you told it, there were two dozen, and they were they were Kelpies, not Gorgons. <laughs> <laughs> and Hercules is like, oh, it's too bright outside. We need to go back in and drink some more until it's nighttime. <laughs> and it's like, and Lady Thor's like, very tempting, but we got some stuff to do. Yeah. So, okay, I didn't like much of this issue. Right. I did like this scene, though. <laughs> this, this page with, with Lady Thor and Hercules, yeah. it was well done. I'm a sucker for Herc. Right. I am. And I thought Lady <laughs> Thor played well. She played yeah. well with Hercules as well. <laughs> um, and so uh, then, they, of course, they're attacked, and they get sim- symbiotic. Venomized. Venomized. And then we cut to a Punisher-style symbiote mm-hmm. from the alternate right. universe uh attacking Spider-Man and Spider-Man gets shot by a symbiote and boom we got black 1984 costume. black costume Spidey there and he's like go. a symbiote what <laughs> I got knowledge about this I know I know what to do with this and then we see I've all these done other... this before that's right I've been on this road and then we see all these other heroes falling to the symbiotes we see uh the little kid Nova 
we see Power Man and Iron Fist and Daredevil and Jessica Jones, though she's not a superhero, so I don't know why they'd need her. Um, <laughs> mm, oh, editors. Um, then we have uh, Riri Williams being taken down by a symbiote. Uh, bookmark that, Stephen. I know. Editor. I know. Um, and then we see <laughs> Avengers and uh, Storm, Storm shows, shows up, up, gets taken she out. She gets taken out. So everyone's getting taken out. Yeah. And um, we cut to X-Men Blue Team and Venom arriving near Earth, and they're trying to warn everybody. Unfortunately, a tad bit too late. We then cut to the leader of the poison, and we see it's a venomized Thanos and a venomized Doctor Dr. Doom. Doom. Mm-hmm. And you know who's calling the shots for them? Death. Yep. Thanos' longtime boo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know he loves him some death. But, yep. Yeah. And then we cut back to Spidey going, you know, I know how to deal with uh, a, a, a symbiote costume. They hate noise. He goes to a bell tower. This is exactly what he did back in 1985. Right. To get rid of the symbiote costume. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it's going to hurt you, know, you a lot more than me. Boom. Yep. Hits it. And the symbiote goes, freaks out, but doesn't leave him. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man's like, what happened? Yep. Then we cut to a venomized <laughs> Doctor Strange. And again, alternate universe. And they're looking for um, uh, Carnage. Yep. They find him. He's the anomaly. Evidently, Carnage is the anomaly. And he's the one thing that can stop the the poison, the venomized right. and poison. We sh- and we should say that it's, while it is Carnage, it's Cletus Cassidy sands the symbiote. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And being the anomaly, they're the one thing, the only thing that the poison and the symbiote costumes are scared of mm-hmm. is Carnage. That's right. it. And so they decide to get him to try to use him. Mm-hmm. And so we then cut back to Spider-Man at the, at the bell tower, and he's like, wait a minute. I could feel that the symbiote was in pain. I felt it screaming, but it didn't slither away unless it's being forced to bond with me. Now, why would someone want it to be forced to bond with me? Right. And then he sees Lady Thor and and some other heroes being symbioted, and he's like, uh-oh, something bad's happening. Mm-hmm. We then cut to the Avengers, uh, our remaining heroes, meeting, I guess it's at Avengers headquarters, and we see Storm, Nightcrawler, and I think Wolverine and the Venom, and, and Thing, Venomized, right? Right. And we see Kitty Pride, Miss Marvel, Captain America, Nova, Vision, and Riri Williams aren't Venomized? Yeah. Dear editor, can you go back several pages where you clearly show a symbiote taking over Riri Williams? <laughs> I mean, Steven, is just kind of what you have an editor for, isn't it? Well, you know. Maybe the editor looked at this title and said, oh, this is dumb, so I'm not going to do my job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just, you know, come on. Anyhow, um, the the heroes who have been given a symbiote are worried that they're going to start to lose control and that they need to act quickly. Right. And so there's a minimum amount of time they have before the symbiote is just going to take them over. Mm -hmm. And uh, our X-Men blue team then arrives. They kind of crash land into the city. And our heroes all get on the same page. And um, we then cut back to Doctor Doom and Thanos symbiote venomized versions. Um, seeing that they have uh, Carnage. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry. Cletus Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. And they're trying to bond him with a uh, symbiote. Mm-hmm. And it's not really working so well. And he's screaming, it hurts, get it off me. Yeah. End of issue. All right. 
All right. Venomized number one, Steven. Lay it on me. Um, I hate you for, <laughs> for making me read this. Um, I will say this. I like the art. The art lot. is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with this artist at all, but this artist needs to get more work. Yeah, he does. I like his art. Yes. Um, there are some moments that are slightly interesting. <laughs> I mean, I like the scene with Thor and Hercules, of yep. course. Um, I like the moment when it takes over Spider-Man and he's yes. like, oh, okay. Been here, done this. Exactly. And I like the moment where he tries to get rid of it and it doesn't work. Yes. Because it shows there's something else going on. Somewhat interesting. Yep. Um, and also, just out of uh, pure curiosity, I do wonder what it is about Carnage that is so different. Right. Because classically, Carnage is the offspring of Venom. Right, right. So what makes him so special? Exactly. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Maybe it's something in the Venom title that I haven't been reading. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the rest is just kind of... It's there. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just nothing special. There's nothing particularly special or interesting or compelling mm, about this at all, is there? No. It seems like... It just seems kind of dumb. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah, it just seems kind of like a kind of a, a just a, just a very shallow kind of unintelligent yeah. kind of forced together for no apparent reason. I don't know. I just I, yeah, it doesn't the, seem like Bun had a really cool idea and pitched it to Marvel. It's like Marvel said, "Hey, Bun, you want to write this?" Yeah. I don't know. I just I. This is the the. This is what I feel like people hear when they say kid friendly. Because right. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's violent but not bloody. Oh no 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 no! no. This is totally kid friendly. Right. Totally kid friendly, and it is chock full of, of action, action mm-hmm. Stephen. It is literally one page of action after the other for the entire issue. Yes. One thing you cannot say is this is a slow issue. Yeah. It is not slow. Mm-hmm. Uh. And you can't say it doesn't have enough action. That is true. Because it is yeah. both quickly paced mm-hmm. and chock full of action. Oh, yeah. Okay? Not a problem. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's... But the fact of the matter is that when people... When a lot of people hear kid-friendly, they think really, really, really stupid. Right. Yes. Correct. That is... You're absolutely right. And that is exactly what this is. Yeah. It's not... I'm not going to say kid-friendly in the way that we like it to be, because I think we should just say all ages. Right. We say That would be a little, you, a little better. Ages. Correct. This is definitely kid-friendly, but it is dumb. Correct. It's like looking at, you know, some, some attractive person who is just the dumbest person on yes. the planet. It's like... Yes. Wow. There's nothing there. It's a little exhausting. <laughs> it is. There's literally nothing there. There's nothing there. No. It's, there is no real intelligent uh, foundation for Anything. the story. Is there? <laughs> I mean, the story doesn't no. have an intelligent foundation at all to it. No. Definitely um, not. And without a really strong, intelligent foundation, the story collapses. Yes. Um, that's so important. And this, this just doesn't have it. And because it doesn't have that strong, intelligent foundation... It just seems like this utterly random mm-hmm. editorially mated, mandated idea yeah. that is just slapped together in a real unintelligent, 
and cursory fashion. Mm -hmm. It just seems very shallow. And um, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon from the 80s. You know? Mm, You're like, not even that good. I I wouldn't insult 80s cartoons like that. Oh, wow. Oh, damn, Steven. I'm I'm just saying, you know? Um, But I'm with you. It's, It's... I like the only parts. The parts. The only parts I liked were the same ones as you liked. Yeah. Uh, the the scene with uh, Lady Thor and Hercules, great. The mm-hmm. scene with Spidey getting the symbiote and being like, "Yep, I got this." Yeah. Great. The scene with him trying to get rid of the symbiote in the bell tower, great. And that's it. That's yeah. it. The character work sucks. Yeah. The and villains are just seem super generic. Oh yeah. The villains are so generic, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And their reason for existing is so generic. Yeah. I mean, this it's, is as it's awful. paint yeah. by numbers as they come. <laughs> There's literally zero creativity when it comes to the villains or mm-hmm. their mission or their purpose or their motivation. I mean, there's yep. nothing there. Um, and that really hurts the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not even consistent because you ha- when all the heroes gather together, you have heroes that aren't Spider-Man who seem to be in control of themselves. Yes. It's like, so I thought they were supposed to be under the control of... The symbiotes. So, so why are they... So what was the point of giving them the symbiotes if you're going to... Whatever, I don't know. Power them up and then have to fight them? I guess. You're just giving them extra powers at that point. Yeah. I I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> the plus to this, though, the artwork, I'm just flipping through it. Steven, I just lo- I love, love, love this artwork. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing Iban uh, Coelho, he deserves a lot more work. This guy can flat yep. out draw his ass off. He, this is gorgeous superhero artwork. I mean, the mm-hmm. slick lines, smooth, detailed. The action scenes leap off the page. The the panel layouts are real creative and yep. visually exciting. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the, the fight scenes are crazy dynamic. Lots of motion and action lines. Yep. I mean, this dude can draw some action scenes. Right, and I'd give it to the colorist too, because so many oh. bright, yes. like in the the superhero-y scenes, so so bright and colorful Just, and all that. It's 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 great. To I look mean, I at. like the panel layout for when the gong happens. Yep. When he's trying to, the, and it's like a broken panel with lots of good negative space. Yep. I just <laughs> d- see the art is really good. Yeah, I mean, really good artwork. Um, it's too bad that we don't have a, a more intelligently crafted story to go along with it. Yeah, the, and the only thing I want to see with Carnage, is I want to see the guy draw Carnage. Cause I think he'd look really cool. Oh yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, how would you grade out Venomized number one? Do you feel Venomized? You might feel victimized. <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I do feel a little bit of that. Um, um, I'm going to give the story a three. Oh, wow. And the art an eight. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I give it a three mostly because like, when I when I criticize certain things like albums or whatnot that are bad from people that I know are capable of doing better, yes, I tend to be a little harsher. Okay, fair enough. And I know, and Colin Bunn's a good writer. Oh, he's yeah, he's really good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But um, I will go, boy, with the writing, I will go a scotch higher than you. Look at me actually being nicer than Steven. This very rarely happens. Yeah, this is this true. is a rare day. Mm-hmm. I will go four Night Girls out of ten. Not like I'm being that much nicer. <laughs> mm, yeah, not really. <laughs> Um, four night girls out of ten, and the art. I'm gonna go a scotch higher than you. A nine. I'm gonna go nine. Mm. 
bootylicious night girls out of ten. Bootylicious venomized night girls. Yo, out of do 10. not venomize my night girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All I gotta say is we could have reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, no, but he made me read venomized. <laughs> Okay. All right, my friend. Uh, let's go over to DC, shall we? Sure. Let's uh, take a dip into Superman number 44. All right. This issue brought to us by, written by Patrick Gleason and Peter Tomasi. Mm-hmm. Pencils by Doug Mankey. Love me some Doug Mankey. Yes. Inks by Jaime Mendoza and Doug Mankey. Mm-hmm. Colors by Will Quintana. And this is the second part of the Boy Zorro issue that we reviewed uh, last uh, a couple podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it's cool. We have Superman battling uh, Bizarro mm-hmm. while he's trying to get Bizarro to get in line and, and tell him that his Earth is about to be destroyed. Right. And that they need to work together. They're not enemies. And, of course, it's, it's his plea is falling on deaf ears. Yes. And um, meanwhile, we see the the... The Legion of, of Fun. The Legion of Fun. <laughs> has captured our our, our superheroes, mm-hmm. um, our Bizarro Justice yes. League. And what's great is, I just, I, I, it's, it's the beautiful uh, splash shot, mm-hmm. one-page splash shot by Doug Mankey. Gorgeous looking. And so it, it's it's our, our, our young heroes along with the Bizarro versions of our young heroes, right? Mm-hmm. Crashing onto the scene to rescue the Bizarro Justice League. Yes. And uh, you've got, you know, Batman with the smiley face on his chest. <laughs> the Flash, the Flash, he's fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got um, Wonder Woman. She's tied up. But what's funny about her is they've put, the bad guys have put, Fireworks, they've tied fireworks into her hair. <laughs> like little sticks of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> they tied sticks of dynamite into her hair. Hilarious. <laughs> Which is a plot point because you'll see it right. plays off later. Right. Um, and, um, and the Joker is the crier. And he's super <laughs> sad and crying. I mean, it's just, just, just hilarious. Yeah. I just, I love it. Um, and I like how the, the little super cat's all skinny and gross looking. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, so our, our, our heroes are battling the bad guys to save the Bizarro Justice League. Right. The, the Bizarro Justice League, during the fight, they get freed, right? And the first thing that Bizarro Wonder Woman does when she gets freed is... And, and uh, Batman's like, Bizarre Batman's like, me am not so free. Remember, they speak in reverse. Right. So they're free now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Woman goes, not free, meaning she's free. Mm-hmm. No, by hair, ah, uh, meaning her hair's not free. <laughs> and she whips out a hairbrush out of nowhere, Stephen. Wonder Woman, Bizarre Wonder Woman evidently carries a hairbrush somewhere in her bikini costume. She carries one. Right. And starts brushing her hair out of all the sticks of dynamite, <laughs> which is great because I think we continue to get this fight scene and like multiple panels later, she's still brushing the stuff out of her hair. <laughs> I don't know. This is just funny. It's just like a tiny little detail though. You know what I mean? Like little details matter, don't they? Yes. And this issue is chock full of little details like mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, uh, uh, Sinestro's green powering is a smiley face. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so much. It's right. It must have been a blast for Doug Mankey to draw this mm-hmm. issue. Just an absolute blast to do. Um, these are the kind of superhero issues that it's got to be fun 
to be yeah. a superhero <laughs> artist in an issue like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And anyhow, uh, our good guys are beating the bad guys, and uh, the bad guys decide, time to retreat, time to retreat. They decide to retreat when they see uh, Superman and Bizarro. Right. Come on the scene. So our bad guys are like, we're out, Legion of Fun. We're out, deuces. <laughs> and uh, which is great is then Bizarro, uh, Wonder Woman comes over and like, you know, strokes Superman's chest going, not handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and ba- Bizarro Batman, and not punctual. Bizarro could not learn a thing or two from this one. <laughs> it's great. So basically everyone beats down on Bizarro. Like Bizarro, Wonder Woman, Bizarro Batman just kind of basically called Bizarro a failure. Yeah. And then... Out of nowhere comes Bizarro Lois, who, like, attacks Bizarro, and she's got, like, a little rocket for two, and she's like, I'm leaving you, loser, and yeah. you're Bizarro, boy Bizarro, you're both losers, I'm leaving mm-hmm. both of you. But, but hey, Superman, there's room for two on this rocket! <laughs> I'm just, it's such a funny issue. And then Bizarro is like, gets all mad, he attacks Bizarro Lois, and they start beating each other up, and, and this is where... Stephen, we are now in uh, seventeen, page 17. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really fun issue. Sure. It's been funny. Mm-hmm. Right? Really funny issue. Right. It takes a turn. Oh, yeah. It takes a real stark turn mm-hmm. at this point. And it's not very funny from this point on. No. At all. It's not. Because Boy Bazaar is watching his parents beat each other up. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. No. I mean, it's spousal abuse both ways. Right. <laughs> Double spousal abuse. And um, so Bizarro ends up beating the tar out of Bizarro Lois. Right, of course. Because he's, he's got Superman's powers. Yeah. And um, we don't really know what happens. We don't know if she dies or not mm-hmm. from him beating the hell out of her. Yeah. But she's clearly disposed of. Right. And then the Earth, their Earth is about to blow up. Mm-hmm. And so Bizarro hops into the little the little rocket that Lois brought. And uh, boy, Bizarro's like, Dad, please. And um, Bizarro, you know, basically is like, I'm out of here. And boy, Bizarro's like, but there are two seats. Um, you know, can't not me go, basically. Mm-hmm. And... Bizarro's like, nope, thumbs down. You're not, you know, you're not my son, whatever, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And closes the rocket ship and leaves mm-hmm. and says, you know, me am good father, meaning he's a crap father. Yeah. And then takes off and boy, Bizarro just collapses mm-hmm. and is basically like, goodbye to the Bizarro world. Right. Oh my God, Steven, this title flipped on a total 180 mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Yeah. I did not see this coming. Yeah. I did not see this coming at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I was laughing my ass off having a blast reading this issue. And yeah. I cannot remember the last time I read a comic that flipped the script a complete 180 mm-hmm. like that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, no. like, yeah. wow. It's just, I really don't remember the last time I yeah, read a comic like that. It gets pretty into, I mean, it, 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 it like, there is, it's not like it's completely surprising because the, no, when you see no. the um when Bizarro Wonder Woman and Bizarro Batman start talking trash about him you can see in his right. eyes that he's like okay right I've had enough right 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 yeah absolutely and I'm done getting beat on yeah exactly and then he and then just keeps going and going and then then it flips right 
that. And then you have uh, Superman and Superboy, uh, and it looks like Bizarro Robin mm-hmm. and Entropy. Not yep. Entropy. Is that uh, her name? Uh, nobody. Her. Nobody. Sorry, mm-hmm. nobody. And uh, Kathy. And Kathy are all on the other side of the portal, and they all reach out for Boy Bizarro to come with them. Mm-hmm. And Superman's saying, "Let's go home." Right. And then the planet explodes. Yep. And I think he gets out of there before it explodes. Yeah, I think that's the assumption. That's the assumption. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting is that Robin Bizarro, yes, survives. Mm-hmm. Which he's a fantastic character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so glad he's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's the end of this issue. Yep. Um, Stephen, mm-hmm. Superman forty four. What do you think? Um, it did not go where I was expecting. Oh. At all. No. I was, um, when I saw that image of Boy Bizarro alone with the planet exploding, I was like, oh, wow. That was a gut punch, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's. It, and how about, the, how about this panel with, with Bizarro with the capsule closed in the rocket, mm-hmm. and you see Boy Bizarro's reflection on the glass canopy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. With his hand actually on the glass canopy. Yeah. That was a pretty yeah. powerful gut punch of a seen it along with the one you just mentioned it was like two and those were back-to-back pages yep and i was like two punches of the kidney yeah it's because you know when when you started it out it was like oh well obviously superman is gonna teach bizarro to be a good father right and it's you know and as everything's gonna be okay well no nope that's not what happens at all nope um and honestly it's because of it's not because of Superman. I mean, it's it is because everybody else is like, oh, Superman, he's so great, it's right? Blah, blah, blah. But he didn't intend for that to happen. No, 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 not at all. Um, which I always think is the more interesting Superman stories is when something happens that he can't control. Yes, and he has to face the consequences of it. Yes, and so I'll be interested to see where this goes because now you know he's got. A Bizarro Bat, uh, Robin and Bizarro, um, <laughs> Super <laughs> Bizarro Boy. Superboy, yeah. and a world that's been destroyed. So, it, what's he gonna do with them? Right. Um, but I mean, the the parts of the issue that were fun were super fun. Yes. Like the uh, the Legion of. Fun, I mean, I wish I wish they could have been around a little bit longer. I agree, but I still think it was pretty cool. I love the fight between Superman and Bizarro. Yes. Um, I love that this Bizarro is huge compared to Superman. Yeah. Yeah, he looks um, great. But, and I really like the art. The only thing I have with the art is that sometimes mm-hmm. some panels look a little less defined than mm-hmm. others. Like when there's a lot happening. Right. Yes. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, like a lot of those details that you mentioned, I missed the first time because it, there's like this kind of cloud of. Right. Um, I wouldn't say like rush or anything, but right. it's not, it's not as defined. I agree. And you know, there's a lot going on. So I get that, but. Like I love Doug Mankey's art. Me too. And I was like, man, I really wanted to see <laughs> to see more of it. Um, but you know, it, it gets it gets the job done. It really hits when it needs to hit. Yes. And um, it's another another good example of what there needs to be more of because it's got the action, it's got the fun, mm-hmm. but also it does really hit hard. Yeah. When. I mean, almost, almost out of nowhere. Yes. Like, you don't expect yes. it to go that way. Oh, absolutely. So it right. subverts all the expectations, and that's mm-hmm. something, you know... That's great writing. Yeah, that's great writing. And it didn't feel out of place. No, it, it did, did not. It didn't feel 
mm-hmm. awkward or or artificial or right that he shoehorned something in. It actually felt it, it organically rolled into that total one eighty split. One eighty yes. split, and it's and what's really great about it is that it did like because it's narrated by Bizarro. Yep, and you don't and you feel you understand. Why? How? Why he feels the way that yes. he does. Why he does what he does. Right. It's terrible. And but that's, that's good writing. Is yeah. that that Gleason and Tomasi are showing you mm-hmm. from the very beginning of the issue. They're showing you right. why Bizarro would do what he do at the end. Mm-hmm. So when he does, when they flip the script and do a one eighty at the end, right. it feels natural yes. and organic because mm-hmm. they've been laying that foundation since the very beginning of the issue. Mm-hmm. So even though you're like <gasps> totally shocked out of nowhere. Yeah. It makes complete sense and mm-hmm. has complete, and it has internal logic with what the it's story's been telling you beforehand. Yep. That's great writing. Yes, and and you know, often I, when you do a twist like that, yeah, it's you kinda, lack internal logic. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they do the necessary detail work to set it up perfectly. Exactly, That's just great writing. Yeah, yes, it is, and um, and well, I think you know if you hand it to a kid, it might make them a little upset, but you know, I think it's all ages as well. Yeah. This isn't all ages because it's mm-hmm. lots of humor. Yes. Lots of humor mm-hmm. and lots of action. And look, man, I remember as a kid, I mean, I read plenty of superhero comics where mm-hmm. there were there was a sad moment. That's, yeah. that's And I think kids don't mind that because that there are sad moments in, in their oh, own sure. lives. Yeah. And I think when they see it in a comic mm-hmm. and see their heroes dealing with a sad yeah. moment and then beating it, it empowers the little kid right. on it's how to deal with their own sad moments. Yeah. Um, so I think it's totally all ages friendly. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally all mm-hmm. ages. Um yeah, it, which is great, but yes. but, but still mm-hmm. super interesting and compelling for an adult reader, right? And I think it'll and you're gonna get more out of it than a kid, of course. Yeah, and I think it'll it'll make the kid want to ask talk ask talk to their parents yep. and ask questions. So that's um, but at the end of the day, it still has the ending where Superman returns to save right. him. So it's not right. so depressing. And a, and a child reader is going to be looking looking. Boy Bizarro is is the character the child reader is going to be attached right. to. Mm-hmm. So as long as Boy Bazaar is okay, yeah, that's, that's the okay. character that the kid's going to be invested in. Yes. Definitely. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I just think, God, what, what is not to like? Again, mm-hmm. again, we, we point to, you know, in our last podcast, what to do. You know, this, this mm-hmm. to, to help comics, this is a good example of um, the focus on this title. Again, it's a fun title. Again, fun doesn't mean you don't have heart-wrenching right. moments. Mm-hmm. And this this is proof because yes. it is a fun title mm-hmm. and it is action and it is adventure and it does have a heart wrenching moment. Yep, um, it's uh, beautifully, beautifully plotted. Yeah, beautifully plotted. Very a very complex storyline, um, very deep story. Yep, and uh, it it moves forward at a great pace. I thought really nice pace, very enjoyable. You got you got lots of action. But you also got a lot of uh, dialogue mm-hmm. and um, dense storytelling as well. So yes. it's a good balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the primary objective, again, DC's really starting to show this. The primary objective is we're here to entertain you. Yes. We're here to entertain you. That's mm-hmm. all we're trying to do. That's right. And it's doing it. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's honest. It's true to the genre. And so this is just a really fun issue to read. And it's technically brilliantly written, mm-hmm. well-crafted issue, and it has a little bit of everything for everyone, I think. You like character-driven stories? It's got you covered. You like complex plot lines? It's got you covered. You like action? It's got you covered. You like fun? 
wackiness. It's got you covered. <laughs> you know, so it's pretty impressive. Yeah, they covered pretty much the whole gamut of uh, of stuff you can do in one of these titles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and there's so many little details to really get into. You really can spend a lot of time just staring at each individual, each like Wonder Twins deactivate. Yeah. Shape of shape not of run away you know and you turn it into cars i mean there's all sorts of little details that if you don't stop and take the time to really examine each individual panel you'll miss a lot of little details oh yeah um and i love stories like i mean you see apache chief in a panel mm-hmm. you see apache chief and he's only in one tiny little panel do you see him but there he is <laughs> yep. so you get rewarded for attention to detail um i just i can't say enough about all the little tiny details that go into every single panel. Right. Story-wise and art-wise, fantastic. And Doug Mankey's art, you're right, it's not It's not the best art mm-hmm. I've ever seen him deliver. Sure. Um, I think when Doug Mankey has the time, he, he delivers even better artwork. Yeah. But this is still really good art. Um, and the amount of detail he shoves into every panel is... Quite impressive. Yeah. And his Bizarro is so badass looking. And the amount of emotion he's able to convey in Bizarro's face and Boy Bizarro's face at the end is just just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he really breathes life into the story. Mm-hmm. Adds another dimension to it. Yeah. Um, I, I just I really like the issue. Uh, yeah. How do you grade out Superman 44? I think you should go first this time. So I'm, I'm I'm wavering. Uh oh. Okay, I'll go first this time. Uh, I don't like going first. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's against the rules of nature, Stephen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, the story. I'm going to go nine night girls out of ten for mm-hmm. the story. This is fantastic writing. I almost yep. gave it a ten. Mm-hmm. Almost gave it a ten, but it's not quite not quite there. It's very close though. It's a very strong night nine. Night Girls out of 10. Mm-hmm. And the artwork, I'm going to go eight Night Girls out of 10. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, I am going to say it. I'm going to give it a 10. Woo! I really, yeah. Nice. It was just, I was very impressed with what, with what he was able to do yes. with the, the turns it takes. Yes. The, the, um, the humor and mm-hmm. the the action and all that was so perfectly done. Mm-hmm. It's it, uh, it's it. I can't talk. It's so good. Um, yeah, I don't. No, I don't blame you. I think it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't blame you. And the art, I was kind of wavering between a seven and an eight, but I'm going to give it an eight because when it really hits those moments, it really it really hits the moment. Really hits it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. I I feel the same way. Yeah. All right, my friend, uh, Batman forty four. Now I hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? You know this what? Is, this I'm gonna, is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save you some is, trouble. I'm yes, gonna, you I'm know, gonna, don't steal my thunder. <laughs> I'm gonna. No, since I made you go first, I'm gonna do a summary here. I can do this in 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 three sentences. Okay. Okay. Um, Catwoman is looking for a wedding dress in the middle of the night. Oh, uh, yep. She finds one. Yep. And there are flashbacks to classic Batman and Catwoman interactions. And that's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that is pretty much it. Even. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. This there you go. I saved you some time. You did this. This uh, the creative team for this issue, mm-hmm. Stephen. Yes. Is once uh, again. Uh, why they put everything at the back of an issue? Uh, <laughs> <right>. I know. <laughs> First world problems. Tom <laughs> King does the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikkel, Janin, and Joel Jones does. They do the art. Yes. Um, the flashbacks are done by Mikhail Janin. Yes. And Joel Jones does the modern day stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, Stephen. Okay. Look, I mean, I just, I just got it. I just, I, I just got to tell you. I just, just, just as an example, you open the issue up, Stephen. You open the, the first page. The first page. What do you get to see? You see Catwoman in bed. At 2.37 a.m., mm-hmm. you see her getting out of the bed at 2.59 a.m. You see her swinging through Gotham at 3.22 a.m. Mm-hmm. That, that was a whole page. Yes. Right there. That's yes. a page. Yes. No dialogue. Nothing really happening. Yes. This isn't the silent issue of G.I. Joe from back in the day that Larry Hama wrote so famously. Nope. This is just, I got out of bed. <laughs> okay. Cool. Then you get the flashback scene of Golden Age uh uh, Catwoman back when she was awesome. Mm-hmm. Golden Age Catwoman is fantastic. Yeah. Love her. Very classy. Mm-hmm. Very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I like my Catwoman classy mm-hmm. and sophisticated. Yeah. It works. Mm-hmm. We'll get we'll put a pin on that later. Okay. And uh we then cut to oh wait, present day. It's Catwoman swimming through the sewer. We see her at 359 swimming. At 3.56, swimming. At 3.55, swimming. Just keep swimming. At 3.57, swimming. Just keep swimming. At 3.58, swimming. Just uh, we're swimming. done with that. That was a whole page. Yep, yeah. there you go. Okay. Uh, then we cut to um, later Golden Age Catwoman, who is mm-hmm. still fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love this costume. It's a classic costume. It's mm-hmm. great. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Um, really cool. Again, classy. Um, uh, really... Um, Glamorous mm-hmm. Catwoman. Then we cut to th- present day, 58. Mm-hmm. It's a room full of wedding dresses. Three, nine o'clock. Same room of wedding dresses. 902, same room of wedding dresses. 909, same room of wedding dresses, but Catwoman is snuck in. Oh boy. That was a whole page, Stephen. And then we cut to more Golden Age Catwoman. Again, I'm just telling you, Catwoman was such a classy, sophisticated, just really just glamorous character. Just really, and, and I think exuded power and confidence. Just exuded sophistication, power, confidence, and intelligence. And then we cut back to modern-day Catwoman out of the sewer, kicking off combat boots, Looking kind of like the road hard woman you see in the corner of a biker bar. It's kind of skanky and kind of trashy, and you just don't want to talk to. And uh, all we do is just see her getting out of her costume. That, that's the whole page. That's it. That's it. We're done. No going back to a flashback scene of Catwoman, SM style Catwoman, for one page. There's, again, these flashbacks have no story content at all to them. They're just there to show you what Catwoman was like, what she looked like. I'm fine with this version. I got no problem. Not my favorite version, but I'm okay with her. I, I, I'm okay with you want to play up the kinky sex side of what Catwoman. That's fine. That, that, that's fine. 
Then we cut back to present day. 9.40, It's basically her trying on wedding dresses. No dialogue. Just trying on wedding dresses. Then we cut to um, uh, another version of Catwoman. Again, it's a cool version of Catwoman. I like her. She's still got the sultry, kind of 1960s sultry aspect. Eartha Kitt, Julie Newmar. I like that. That's a good Catwoman. And we cut back to present day. And there she is. She just, she just, she just kind of, I don't know if she looks more like a middle-aged soccer mom, Stephen, or just that road hard woman in a biker bar. I don't know what she is. Neither one's that appealing. But it's her putting on a wedding dress. Not saying anything. No dialogue. No, just putting on a wedding dress. Okay. Then we cut back to, I do like this Catwoman. She's the, she's the classic, getting the classic Catwoman look. Got the cat of nine tail whip. Great Catwoman. Looks good. Again, sultry, sexy. Like her. Then we cut back to modern day Catwoman. And now she's getting into a mini fridge. And she's popping open something to drink. And she's guzzling. And she's wiping off her face with the back of her hand. And she's staring at the crumpled wedding dresses. It's just like, I, I, I've had clients like this. We call them road hard and hung out to dry bar women. Um, and then we cut to more like the Jim Ballant uh, Catwoman, right? Mm-hmm. I like that version of Catwoman too. Very sexy, very sultry, very mysterious. Then we come back to modern day Catwoman. Got her bottle of booze in one hand. Ah, look at the dresses. Uh, and then we cut to modern day Catwoman kissing Batman. And then we end with present day with her in a dress. She's found the dress she likes. And then she sneaks back into the Wayne Manor and gets back into bed, and it says, Bride or Burglar, end of issue. I just had to go through that whole thing to really emphasize, Stephen, how we paid $3 for an issue that literally had no content. Like, literally had no content to it. You took $3 and effectively gave me Empty gum wrapper with some chewed gum in it. That's what I got for my three bucks. Steven, what do you think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish you could see Steven's look on his face right now as he, as he prepares to defend this issue. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not... Uh, my problems with it are similar to yours, but I also that nothing have, happens? Uh, yes. But you I also... $3 for it? Yes, <laughs> and that <laughs> this run a thousand everything we talked about in our last podcast on how to fix the industry. Yes, and <laughs> but no, I have I I have more problems than that. <laughs> um, my problem with this is that okay, so <laughs> I'm trying start? I'm trying to think of what to say. <laughs> you think I'm going to defend it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of what to say. Um, like I like the concept of the flashback, seeing each the Version. variation of of Catwoman and Batman and their relationship, yes. right? 
I think it was there are two two mistakes here. Yes. The first one is that if this had been Catwoman trying to leave and yes. deciding to stay, right, then that would have been different. Uh huh. Maybe she could have spoken to somebody <laughs> in the present day. Actual dialogue <laughs> and had you know had that moment of you know oh well she won't she you know right. she's Catwoman yes. And they've had this contentious relationship. Yes. Um, that would have been interesting. Yes. And then the problem is that we've done this already. Yes. In this title. Right. We we get why. I know you don't like the pairing, but we've we've it's been explained. I used to like the pairing, I, right. but I've gotten over it. Yeah, it is. It is kind of one of those cliche ones, but they've explained. I think he's done it very well. Right. Why that you get why they they fit correct? Like Batman and Catwoman are the only two people who understand each other the way right. that they are. Right. And I, there was a, an issue a while back after the the breaking the psycho pirate at a Bane's prison story, where mm-hmm. they had it's the two of them and. They have one night together before Batman takes her back to mm-hmm. Blackgate. Mm-hmm. And what that issue had that this doesn't is it felt more authentic almost. Um, it was a little more humorous because Catwoman is trying to seduce Batman mm-hmm. and the bat signal goes off and Batman, he's looking at her, bat signal, Batman's head tilts to the side. Well, and then they go <laughs> fighting criminals. <laughs> and... So you have that, and then when it finally culminates in, you know, what they end up doing, you know, rooftops and Batman and Catwoman, yes. they have yes. to do that. Of course. It doesn't feel cheap. It feels like, okay, these two people, they're messed up, but mm-hmm. they're meant for each other. Mm-hmm. This is, this feels like that really lame recap issue before you go into the big event. Yeah. This is like... Because like I was interested to go into this because they said the Joker's coming back, right? Um, the Bat family's going to be involved. There's mm-hmm. going to be all this stuff with the villains and all that. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm ready to see it. Yes. Uh, wedding dresses. Okay. And this is after the heels of the horridly decompressed Poison Ivy story. Yeah. Like painfully decompressed. Yes. I feel like DC's just robbed me of like twenty bucks and give me nothing in return. Yeah. Between the, this, the past story arc and this one. Yeah. Like, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm, I'm very disappointed. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm. There's just there's no there's excuse no excuse for, for any of that. There's no. no excuse for this in this day and age. There's no excuse for robbing people of three dollars and giving them literally nothing in return. It's just it's indefensible, right? It just and, is. and if you want to know why comics are having a hard time, it's because of crap like this. Yes. Come on, our readers eventually catch on. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. Like, that didn't used to be a problem with this. No, but if you're gonna charge three bucks, I'm sorry, you yeah. can't just give me an issue. I, Stephen, you can skip Batman forty four, pick up mm-hmm. forty five, and you yeah, won't, won't miss, miss a anything. damn thing. Mm-hmm. L- literally, won't miss a damn thing. No, and if an issue is completely skippable with the price they're charging, yeah, that, that that's that's inexcusable. Yep. That is horrible business practices right there. Oh yeah, it's just terrible. I agree. You know, and it just frustrates when you see this. It's like they, it's almost as if they don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you wonder why you guys are having 
financial mm-hmm. problems, why you're having sales problems, yeah. crap like this. Eventually, readers are like, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you $3 when you don't give me squat in return. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. D- definitely not. Um, I mean, look, I... I had, I, had, I had my funny observations from this issue, nah. and then I have my legitimate critique. Sure. I'll, let me do my legitimate critique first. My legitimate okay. critique is it's rampant decompression. Yeah. Uh, there's zero content, and you're paying a lot of money for it. That is my legitimate criticism. Yeah. There's zero story here. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it, is, it, is, it is the definition of mailing it in, yeah. of a writer completely phoning it in, mm-hmm. not giving two shits about the reader, <laughs> not giving... Two dams about the story, mm-hmm. not even trying to give you anything for your money. Right. It is burning time, mm-hmm. burning panels, and uh, wasting the reader's time yeah. and taking their money. Mm-hmm. It's inexcusable. The plotting and the pacing, mm-hmm. the decompression, it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. And there's no depth to the story. Zero depth to the story. Yeah. So that's my legitimate criticism. By the way, I like the artwork. Oh, yeah. I like that. I do as well. It's nice artwork. Mm-hmm. So that's my legitimate criticism of mm-hmm. this issue, and that is what I will be using to grade the issue on. Sure. Now let me give you my funny observation. Okay. Okay. There's nothing to do with anything. Okay. We'll factor it all sure, in. Sure, sure. This is just my funny observation. So, I, uh, yeah, I, kind of, I, I used to love the pairing of Catwoman and Batman mm-hmm. as a kid. But you got to remember, as a kid, um, even though the old Batman TV show obviously took place before I was born. Right. But it was on reruns. You know, and as a little kid, mm-hmm. you watched. You watched, I mean, sure. Yeah, you, you just watched, watched what was on TV. Yeah. The, the, the Batman TV show was always on reruns at, after school mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, okay? It was like He-Man, <laughs> the old Batman TV show, right. you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, whatever. It was on always as a kid. Um, so I, I loved, so I grew up as a little kid mm-hmm. for me, and since I read the Batman comic some when I was a kid, but I wasn't a huge Batman fan as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more of a Legion of Superheroes fan. Right. Um, and, you know, Green Lantern, Flash, mm-hmm. Hawkman, that kind of thing. But, I mean, I read some Batman here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, really, as a kid, what formed Batman for me, like, uh, was the TV show. Right. Okay. Um, I really started getting into Batman comics. I always thought, I'll admit it now, as a kid, I always thought Batman was super lame. <gasps> but you got to remember, this is pre-Dark Knight. Right. <laughs> Pre-Dark Knight. And let's be honest, Batman, you read Batman comics from the 70s and 80s up until 86. Right. And he is kind of lame. He is. He is. I mean, it wasn't until 86 that Batman suddenly became a super badass. Exactly. Now, from 86 on, I read Batman religiously. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. it worked on me, but I was the generation that was raised <laughs> on Dark Knight. Exactly. Um, but... Before 86, I thought he was lame and didn't read his comics. Mm-hmm. So it was a TV show that really formed as a little kid, in my opinion, watching those reruns. And, um, uh, and I just loved those shows. So I always, mm-hmm. I always watched that on reruns and Wonder Woman on reruns. Oh, there you go. Right? <laughs> Linda Carter. Um, that's why Linda Carter for me is like the boop. She's like, that's a Wonder Woman yeah. in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm watching these shows on reruns religiously. Loved them. Loved them, loved them, loved them. We even like would videotape them and everything. Right. And I rewatch them. I just loved the show. So for me... Catwoman is Julie Newmar mm-hmm. in Eartha Kitt. Right. And they both, uh, obvious differences aside, sure. they both played the role identical to each other. Yeah. I mean, they both played the role very sultry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very seductive, yeah. very manipulative, mm-hmm. always three steps ahead. Yeah. You know, very cunning, 
very savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's my image of Kellen. So right. when I'm uh, reading this issue, I'm just, just funny observation. I'm reading like the older versions. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. These older versions. She was in the comic. No, no comic version of Catwoman has ever come close to Eartha Kitt or Julie Newmore. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's a high standard. Um, <laughs> but the comic versions, the earlier versions, there was a sense of class to the character. Mm-hmm. Like real class. There was a sense of glamour. There yeah. was a sense of, the, it's what I call smoldering sultriness. Yeah. That made her character unique. Mm-hmm. That character smoldered when she was on the panel. Mm-hmm. And not many comic characters smolder. I mean, no. there might be attractive ones. Sure. sure. There might, like Wonder Woman has always been very pretty, mm-hmm. you know, right? She's like the ultimate woman in how yeah. she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be characters, you know, that are, you know, appealing in a, in a different way. Right. But, but she was always the smoldering, sultry one. You're always like that exoticness, yeah. something mm-hmm. that you, that kind of female character you, you you don't know what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. You don't know what she's doing. And right. you know, whatever she does, she's five steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's like watching the old noir films when the femme yeah. fatale walks in. Yeah. Like, oh. And even though she may make you think she doesn't know, she, she knows. She really does, yeah. She you knows know, what's going on. And she's mm-hmm. leading you in, in this direction, but she's already five steps ahead in this direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just find that to be such a compelling character because it is not, oh, Overtly, uh, I think sometimes in current with with modern female characters, sometimes they to to empower the character, they feel like, well, I've got to make it physically strong, right? So she has to be physically strong mm-hmm. or really masculine. Right. Whereas there's a lot of strength in cunning, mm-hmm. in feminine s- wiles. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Manip- being able to manipulate people to do what you want to mm-hmm. do, seduction, uh, a mystique. Um, an aura, uh, mm-hmm. not to be able to be uh, read right. or discerned, mental prowess. Mm-hmm. There's all different ways of power and abilities. Mm-hmm. And I always thought Catwoman, you know, she couldn't go toe-to-toe with Batman physically. No. Right. She couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't do it. So they avoided that. Well, how do you have a character be a worthy adversary if she can't go physically toe-to-toe with him? Mm-hmm. You give her the edge mentally. Yeah. And... Through pheromones. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And she had a cool edge on him. She was always eight steps ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And, but I just like that kind of real, just that real sultry, classy, seductive, mm-hmm. very cagey persona. Right. And then you get the modern one. And just the modern one, I'm sorry, she just seems so trashy. She just seems like that yeah. road hard biker bar woman mm-hmm. to just she just just mm-hmm. just nothing compelling nothing interesting mm-hmm. nothing just very just road hard saddle leather mm-hmm. i don't know you, you know what i'm saying yeah just and missing that certain je ne sais quoi that certain that made her special the yeah. current catwoman she just seems so yeah gross <laughs> i don't know <laughs> hmm. i mean I don't know. yeah i def i definitely understand that and that's kind of been the i mean because that's been the standard for her for at least a decade oh yeah 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 yeah. absolutely this is nothing new right <laughs> nothing um, new at all it's one of those things where 
where reading this, I, I mean, because I do understand what you're saying. It was refreshing reading that because it had been a long time since I'd seen Since you've seen Catwoman, Catwoman like that. And, um, I mean, you could probably blame Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Yeah, probably that. so. Yeah, probably so. Who, who brought the sexy, but... Right. Yes. You know, ha- didn't have the sophistication. Right. Um, so... Did not have what Julie Newmar and Eartha Kitt had. No, but... So, reading this, I was like, hmm... I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's a celebration of their relationship. It's doing the rebirth thing where, oh, look, you know, this stuff did happen. Yes. So I'm like, well, you know, maybe they could find a way to bring back some of those character traits. Yeah. Like, if she was like this before, maybe she could be like this again. Right. It just reminded me how much I liked Catwoman before. Yeah. How I used to love that character, and she was right. such a unique... So made, see, how Catwoman is now, she's like every other character. Yeah. Every it's other hard. Batman it's, character, it's, especially. Mm-hmm. She is. It's, it's hard to distinguish her from a lot of other characters. Right. Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Harley Quinn. Right. Um, it's, it's just, let's, there's Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. It's just... It is, it's hard to separate. It's hard yeah. to... She just become very... Whereas before, she was very unique mm-hmm. and real compelling right. and, a, and hard for Batman to keep pace with. Of course, yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think like if they were to... If if it was to be that version of Catwoman, that would be an interesting, like yes. wife of Bruce Wayne because she Bingo. has the sophistication. Yes, and that's but... why I think this pairing is got me so cold is because mm-hmm. this version of Catwoman is just so, yeah, common mm-hmm. and just so common and predictable and yeah. blah. And we and we've seen this dynamic before. Yeah, like I thought. Like when they did it in Hush, I thought it worked, but it worked because it couldn't work. Right. Because Batman is so crazy that even she couldn't handle it. Right. But, you but know. I think if you had the sultry, sophisticated mm-hmm. Catwoman, it would, you could see, uh, I think, the, the way he, the way she would um, get him to marry her. Right. Would be more compelling mm-hmm. because the way she'd be able to manipulate him. Yeah, and, you and all, yeah. would also make you wonder, what is she really up to? Yeah. What is she really up to? Because that kind of sophisticated, sultry Catwoman always felt like she was playing three-dimensional chess. Right. And you're like, okay, so she's she's saying she loves him. She's saying mm-hmm. she wants to do the right thing, but ooh, you what know she's planning really? something else here. Yeah, and it would, it would make more sense that, I mean... I think they've done a decent job explaining this version of Bruce Wayne and Catwoman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fit. But yeah, no it, doubt. it would make a little bit more sense as to say, oh, okay, well, someone who is who is on the same level as Batman. Right. Intellectually. Yeah, which I don't feel like this Catwoman is. No. At all. And and she hasn't been for a while. Which no. Which I, I think is, uh, is a mistake. Yeah, I think she's way lower. Mm-hmm. Way lower than Batman mentally. Yeah, she's... I mean, I get it. She's from the streets, and he's... The rich dude, I, right? Like, there—that's a one of the five stories that they keep. You know, yeah. the, the people that aren't in the same position falling in yeah. love. But it's—I just feel like he would be outwitting her at every turn. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's not how it used to be. No, that makes for a more interesting dynamic, I think. Especially if you're like Batman, who is the world's greatest detective. Yes, to, for him to be outwitted by it's, someone else. It's like. You know the classic Sherlock Holmes and Irene Adler. Yep, she was the only yeah, good, woman good who, point. only person who ever outsmarted him. Yep, good point. Very good point. Right. So anyhow, that was just my odd little wacky observation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has nothing to do with how I grade the issue. I mean, I, I grade the issue based on how it's written. Right, and and I think it's supposed to invoke that. Agreed. Like yes. that's why they show yes. 
the the classic versions yep. is to make you think about mm-hmm. them. Absolutely agree. And um, make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't blame him for that. Uh, how do you grade out Batman Forty Four? Um, as setting up an issue for the event, it's not good. Um, as a celebration of the classic relationships, it's okay. It doesn't really follow through with that in the main no. modern day story. Yeah, there's no payoff in the modern story. No. Um, it. Mm, well, I did. I did it to to Cullen because no. I know he can do better. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna give the writing a, f- I'm give it a four, and the art I'm gonna give an, I'm gonna give an eight. Yeah, so I liked. That's I fair. Liked how yeah, the art's that. great. I yeah. like the art. Mm-hmm. Art's wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm I'm grading this issue based purely, not 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 my silly yeah. observation on Catwoman. Let's remove that. <laughs> Absolutely not basing on that. That's not sure. fair. You yeah. never base an issue a grade on an issue based on your own personal little quirks. Sure. You base it on what you got. Uh, so basing it just on the writing of what we got, technically. Mm-hmm. It's horrendous. Um, <laughs> it's objectively horrendous. I'll give the writing two mm-hmm. emaciated, uh, meth-addicted, toothless night girls out of ten. Hmm, so the people Catwoman hung out with <laughs> as a kid, apparently. Yes, yes. And the art, I'm going to go through eight night girls out of ten. Great artwork. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, last issue. Yeah. Justice League. Number 42, yes, who shot League. Wonder Woman? Yes. The answer will shock you. No, it won't because we read the last issue. It's this yeah, uh, a teenage African kid that shot her. Um, so, hey, yeah. sp- done. It's, it's, it. <laughs> it, th- that seems like the, ooh, the attract your eyes cover. <laughs> yes, 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 it does. Uh, this issue brought to us the words by uh, Christopher Priest, art by Pete Woods, mm-hmm. and, um, and Pete Woods does everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does all the art. There you go. They don't even have anyone listed as colors. Wow, Pete's doing the, the pencils, the inks, and the colors. That's impressive. Don't see that too often, do you? Uh, no. Um, so long and short of it, we see we have uh, Baz and Jessica uh, flying back to Earth, uh, bemoaning. She's bemoaning that she kissed Batman. How's she going to deal with it? And uh, we ha- cut to Africa where we see Wonder Woman shot in the neck, bleeding out, and uh, Superman looks at her and goes, mm, heat, X, uh, not heat, X, Jesus, Heat vision cauterizes her neck wound. Ooh, that's pretty nasty. <laughs> that's pretty nasty. And then picks up and flies off. And then the Flash races up to him and goes, give, him, give her to me. And Superman's like, oh, she's dying. He's like, yeah, guess what? I'm faster than you. <laughs> yeah. I like that moment. I was like, <laughs> okay, I, yeah, that's strong. And he goes, and by the way, you're Superman. You're needed here to deal with this situation yes. more than me. It's what you do. And so uh, he gives... Wonder Woman to Flash and then flies back. And we, of course, see all the different factions. They're starting to kill each other. They're just mowing them all down. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to um, the presidential palace of Black Panther. I mean, not Black Panther. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) The Red Lion. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cyborg is uh, uh, all messed up. His self-repair systems that got hacked by the fan, they're not Mm -hmm. working. Right. And uh, Deathstroke's next to him, and he's like, man, you know, you screwed up. You stink. You're like the worst leader ever. This never would happen with Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just dumping on Cyborg yeah. something serious. I mean, just brutal, which is great because Christopher Bad. Priest also writes Deathstroke. Yep, that's right. And I, I got to tell you, Christopher Priest can stay on Deathstroke until the end of time. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. DC needs to make him the permanent writer of Deathstroke because yep. I like Christopher Priest's Deathstroke more than 
than anybody since Marv Wolfman wrote it, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, and um, it's funny because they had Deathstroke out this week, and the it's man, it's it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's mean, him. That's him and Priest Batman. And Priest writes oh, a great Batman. Yeah. So. And it's it's it, the dialogue, and only Christopher Priest can just to get away with writing this dialogue for Deathstroke too. Yeah. Because he has Deathstroke being just he's just like, no offense, Vic, you kind of suck at it. You know, <laughs> uh, you you people plop down here in Afro Disney defending the hapless refugees. Yeah. Well, who do you think sent those refugees to you? And then he's like, you know, and now it's all over social media, images of just like beating on Africans. Not the best optics. Yeah. Don't you get it? I mean, he's just, I mean, Chris Priest just has, just has the most brutal dialogue. Yep. It's the most brutal dialogue to Deathstroke. I mean, it's just bam, bam, like punches to the face to Cyborg. I mean, you remember yeah. this dialogue? It's just like, I mean, I'm cringing. Going, ooh, oh, oh, did he just say, ow, ooh, ow, ow. I mean, you know, the reader's cringing as you read Deathstroke's dialogue. It's yeah. just merciless, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and Cyborg doesn't say anything because he knows. He's got nothing to say, <laughs> but it's great. But it just, I love it. Priest Deathstroke. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, anyhow, we then cut to um, uh, Flash arriving uh, to the Titans mm-hmm. um, uh, headquarters and asking Rachel to uh, Raven mm-hmm. to um, heal Wonder Woman. Right. And then we cut back to Cyborg trying to, you know, stumbling around the room trying to get himself better. Deathstroke's already left. And right. Cyborg's trying to get to this knife he sees, mm-hmm. use it, I guess, to help prepare himself. Uh, Baz and Jessica then arrive in Africa, and it's all hell's broken loose. Every faction's trying to fight each other, so they're just trying to Superman's and the Green Lanterns, and they're all just trying to cordon each each faction off, right? And quarantine them all to an area so they don't mm-hmm. kill each other, because it's really all they can do at this point, right? Um, and then we see Aquaman and Batman and the Fan teleport onto the scene where uh, Cyborg is captive, the Red Lion's headquarters mm-hmm. or Presidential Palace, whatever. And they think Cyborg is dead, and um, and uh, but he's not, and he cuts himself back online, mm-hmm. and then we cut to uh, Redline uh, address uh, talking to the uh, president's cabinet, right? Saying, "Okay, here's the deal. You know, I just took a. I'm doing the same thing America's doing. I just take a little bit of land. Yeah, I take a little. It's it's, it's just a, this is just a police incursion. That's all. Police yeah. action. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Basically flipping it on America. Yeah. And he's like, look, how many people? How many Amer- Africans have died? over the decades in endless war, you know, America's never going to support troops here. So right. how about, you know, you and I come to a little agreement. Mm-hmm. You let me, you let me get what I want. You lift the no fly zone. You lift it over my country and some new iPhones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, we have a deal. We have right. a deal. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll solve the unrest in the area. Sure. Okay. And, uh, then we, after the transmission ends with the, uh, U S cabinet, uh, it's cut off in the middle of the conference. Mm-hmm. We see it's Cyborg. He's cut off the feed. Right. He's back in better than ever. He's fixed himself. He has redundancy, so he's got a fail-safe trigger. Right. So he's healed up, and um, Cyborg's like, you know, <laughs> I'm taking over the situation here. I'm tired of being underestimated. Yeah. I'm going to solve the problem. And he decks the red he line punches the, the red line. <laughs> punches him out. It's great. Um and so then we see our heroes have arrived where Superman and the Green Lanterns are. Mm-hmm. And they're all debating what to do, what to do, what to do. No one can agree. And they're all debating. Like the Green Lanterns are like, you know, you know, you know we can't, we can't, we can't get involved. There's too many people. And Aquaman's like, you know, this is, you know, 
I don't believe in due process. We need to bend the rules. You know, we're mm-hmm. dealing with these rebels. We need to build shelters. And Superman's like, we need to get the UN in. And mm-hmm. Batman's like, no, instead we need to, we need to, you know, start trying to create a database so we can read out the potential terrorists from the innocent victims. Yeah, and, and then get so, the victims somewhere else. Yeah, and, they, so yeah. they're all they all got a million different ways of doing it. And the red line is there. Of course, he's like, maybe I could. You know, they're like, shut up. We don't want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, all of our heroes are are arguing about which way to do. So it's typical in action because none of them can make a hard decision. Right. And then suddenly, while all our heroes are debating this, you hear, blam! Mm-hmm. And the camera turns around and Deathstroke has shot the fan <laughs> and killed him. Yeah. What? And Desperate goes, I'm sorry, did I interrupt your sewing circle? You people obviously don't have the stomach for doing what needs to be done, so excuse me, and he grabs a big-ass machine gun while I so- go solve your problem for you. Yeah. End of issue. I'm like, and the, the, the little, and the, at the bottom it goes, and now Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what an ending, Steven. Yeah. What an ending. Talk <laughs> about a swerve with Superman. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I didn't see this coming. But again, yeah. like t- like like in Superman with Tomasi and Gleason, Priest does set the foundation mm-hmm. for what happened earlier in this issue with the scene yeah. between Cyborg and Destro. Mm-hmm. So he set this. He set this. Oh, yeah. He set it. He set the foundation in place. Mm-hmm. So when this sudden turn happened, yeah. again it felt organic, mm-hmm. just like a Superman. That's right. But oh my God, was it totally out of the blue? Like, <laughs> did you see this coming? Um, no. I mean, <laughs> no. No. Nah. Oh my God, no. I was just like, did Destro just shoot that guy? <laughs> oh my God! And then he grabs a big old rifle. I'm gonna take care of this crap. Yeah, Steven, Justice League 42. What'd you think? Um. Well, so, <laughs> and the only thing I'm trying to figure out, and this is not in a bad way, is, so, was Deathstroke behind the whole thing? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something, you know, to think about, because he seems to well, know. Well, he's working for, the red line has, mm-hmm. is paying Deathstroke right. to perform mercenary work for him. Sure. So it's possible that. The red line paid Deathstroke to put all this in in motion, mm-hmm. yeah. and now Deathstroke, because he's the man who put it in motion, knows how to stop it. Right, right. Maybe, hmm. or maybe he's going to take his typical Deathstroke approach of a bullet to the head of the one of the leaders, and, right, and that's we solve the problem. It. Yeah, which that's a very interesting idea because because apparently it builds on stuff that has been happening in Deathstroke, not to the point where right. it's confusing. No, 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 no. But, but it, it does reference red line has been in Deathstroke. Right, correct, and um. So, yeah, it's, and once again, I mean, this is <laughs> what I mentioned in our, our last podcast about um, how not, you know, you have your, your seven main titles, per yes. se. Yes, And not every single one of them needs to be kid-friendly. Agreed. Quote, unquote. Agreed. Um, this is one of the seven that is a little more adult. Absolutely. And it is all the better for it, Absolutely. I think, but, because. But there's nothing in here that would prevent you from giving it to a kid, though. Oh, Sure. It's they just, just wouldn't get a lot of it. Yeah. But um, they, they would get it, they would at least get like, oh, Flash is faster than Superman, and we got some speeding around, who heat vision to cauterize our wound, that's right. neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least they get, they they get, get the basic something. action stuff, but they would be missing a lot of the right. story. That I feel like this, wouldn't, this would be something that 
it would kind of fly over their head a I little totally bit. I totally agree. Well, not a little bit, a lot of a bit. Lot Cause of it. Because when the Justice League gets together at the end and starts debating what they're going to do, that's not something kids want to see. No, it's a lot of real-world politics. Yeah. Sure. Agreed. Except that it fits. And each one fits with the character. Oh, absolutely agree. Like the the one with Batman and the his... For example, a little terrorist database, database network, and I'm Batman like, Batman wants to have a database on everybody. Exactly, and I'm. <laughs> it's just like you know, we're talking Control about freak. Yeah, we're talking about right now. We don't have time for that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But it's you yeah, know, Superman it, wants the UN. Exactly, he wants Superman to get in there. Um, Aquaman's like, you know what? I, I, Aquaman's a king. He's been through this before. He's yep. seen it. It's like, look, this is what happens. We need to do this. But um, and even uh, Baz and Jessica, because Jessica's the one going. Well, we can't just leave these people, right? You know that they're going to kill each other, and and Baz is going. Well, I don't know if like wh- who are we to say this? And they have a reference to Israel and Palestine, and Baz being Muslim. Yeah, that that makes Arab. sense. There mm-hmm. you go. It makes sense. And um, and that's just and you know I wasn't. Did Cyborg say anything in that scene? I don't uh, remember. Not really. He did say he wanted to to uh, move everyone out. Yeah, they wanted to evacuate everyone, evacuate get them into other countries where they can yeah. be safe, and that's right. when Batman starts talking. Like, what are you going to do with all the refugees? Right. And, um, and how do you weed out the safe ones from the unsafe ones? Mm-hmm. Correct. But, the but yeah, the, the, the star of the issue is Deathstroke. Oh! Who, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, who... Um, who just gets? I mean, between that and Deathstroke thirty oh. this week, which that establishes that out of all of Batman's adversaries, like of the ones that aren't crazy, Deathstroke is the only one who can look Batman in the face and say, "I'm not scared of you." I absolutely and agree. Totally mean it. Yes, I absolutely agree. And and he like he's just the 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 balls on this guy. He's got a pair to stand up to the entire Justice League <laughs> oh my and God. say, "Hey, you." You go away. I'll handle this. No, first it's to so shoot awesome. and yeah. kill the fan in yeah. front of all of them, and mm-hmm. then tell them, yeah. <laughs> "Get out my way," and let the big boy deal with the exactly. problem. Exactly, I got this. Oh my God, Stephen. Yeah, I, I look. You and I both loved uh, Priest Justice League. Yes, up till now, oh, we both yeah. loved it. It's great, and we both uh, commented on how impressive it is, how well. Priest knows all the various members of the Justice League, how mm-hmm. he has such a good feel for the characters yeah. and personalities of all the Justice League members and how well he writes them and the good mm-hmm. chemistry he's been able to make between all the members. Yes. All that being said, yeah. all that being said, I agree with you, uh, this issue is the first issue of Priest's Justice League run where it ain't about the Justice League yeah. at all. No. This is all about definitely. Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. This is all about Deathstroke. Yes. Deathstroke gets all the good lines. Oh, yeah. He gets all the cool moments. Mm-hmm. He gets to pull everyone's punk I card. Mean, Cyborg gets one where he punches he out does. the red lion. He does, and that and that and the, it was good, and it's a good payoff because he's been because he got abused the past two issues. That. Yeah, yeah, he had to have that moment. Yes, um, and Batman, of course, is Batman. He always looks cool. Oh yeah, always looks cool, no mm-hmm. doubt. But the star is Deathstroke. Yes, he's the star. And what I love about it is, uh, well, first of all, what I love about this. This is great by Priest. So Priest knows, okay, he's got a limited run on Justice League before, you know, DC came to Priest and said, will you write Justice League for a set amount of issues before we get uh, Scott Snyder onto the title? Mm -hmm. So he knew I got about 10 issues. Right. Whatever. Okay, to tell my story. Mm -hmm. But he's the, there there is no, at least I have not seen any plans to replace him on Deathstroke. Right. At all. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, that's his title for as long as he wants. I've not seen anything that says, 
that it's over. Yeah. That it's going to be over anytime soon or it's a limited time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said he wanted to write that title. He right. actively lobbied for that title. So mm-hmm. it appears he's on that title for the long haul. Yeah. So he's, this is brilliant. This is, this is, <laughs> this is, I, I, I respect Priest. I respect the man who, who takes a platform given to him by the company and proceeds to go into business for himself. Yeah. Not, not to the detriment of the Justice League. Oh, of course not. But no. he goes into business for himself. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. <laughs> he decides, I got a limited run on Justice League. Mm-hmm. And then I'm off in a couple months when Snyder's here. Yeah. So I got a limited run. Less than a year. So, while I'm on a high-profile title like Justice League uh-huh. that sells lots of numbers, yeah. right? Lots of copies. High profile. I'm going to use it to showcase Destry. my... <laughs> the, to showcase the character that I'm writing. There you go. Over the long haul. Mm-hmm. To try to get... So people can see how I write his character. <laughs> so I can get people to come hop over to my title after I'm off of Justice League. Mm-hmm. And I can boost my numbers over at Destro. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. I respect Priest for doing that. Okay. Why not go into business for yourself? No one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I like it. And I also like it because he flat out writes the hell out of Destro. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, his Destro is brilliant. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. I mean... Uh, Deathstroke in here is awesome. His dialogue with Cyborg is brutal and fantastic. And uh, the ending is is brilliant. Yes. That's a brilliant ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, that ending had my jaw on the ground. <laughs> and then after I picked my jaw up from the ground, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, get him Deathstroke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's one of my all-time favorite characters. Yeah. Um, so this is a great issue, though. I mean, again, mm-hmm. you have... Uh, Lots of action, but you also had a lot of dialogue-heavy scenes too. Yeah, Priest really knows how to balance the two. Mm-hmm. He does it with such skill; yeah. it's really impressive how Priest can balance action and dialogue-heavy scenes and put them together to create a really, really well-balanced issue yep. that moves forward at a really nice pace. I mean, technically, such a well-written issue from a technical standpoint. I just really like how he puts together an issue. It's it's so well done. Yeah, it's, it's really well constructed, and he gives. And despite the fact that it's mostly Deathstroke, he still gave every member of the Justice League oh. their moment. Like the yes. after Wonder Woman got shot, it's it's told from her perspective, and she even has the moment before Superman. Because Superman hesitates, sees his heat vision, and she just She's says, like, "Do it, do it, <laughs> right. right, exactly." And um, you got the little the the nice little moment with Flash and. Where he's telling Superman, oh, I'm fast, and you give it to me and get right. back there. He gives each character that moment. Exactly. He does. And, um, which is impressive still, because I think one of the, like, I mean, we talked about Bendis in the, the last podcast, but I thought one of his weaknesses was that when you're having a team title, like, don't just give the focus to, like, one or two. Everybody needs Bingo. to have a yes. moment. Yes, in that's every, critical in a team title. Yeah. They all got to have a moment. And, and I like that that priest showed that here because, you know, even, I mean, even though Batman doesn't, you know, get to toss a batarang, like right. there's that moment where he starts talking about the database, like, Oh, that's classic. Yeah, Batman, that's Batman already. Of course. And, um, and I really appreciate that. That's kind of unfortunately becoming a lost art in comic books these days, just in stories in general. Oh, I, I completely agree. It's absolutely the case. And I like that. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Each character, Flash got his moment. I'm mm-hmm. faster than you. 
Superman gets his moment by coming back to be the beacon of hope. Uh-huh. Wonder Woman gets her moment by saying, do it. Yeah. You know, when Superman's mm-hmm. hesitating. Um, Cyborg gets his moment when he gets to punch out Red Line. Yeah. Um, Batman gets his moment because um, he, when they first arrive on the scene, they think Cyborg's dead. Mm-hmm. And Aquaman is like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Batman's just no reaction. Yeah. No reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, stone face. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything. <laughs> it's like, dang, that dude really doesn't care about anybody. Yeah. But that's Batman. Yeah. He really doesn't care about anybody. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, he really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but if Cyborg Girl is dead, that's 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 the right reaction of just mm-hmm. like, all right, what's next? Yeah. I mean, but so everyone gets their moment. Mm-hmm. In this issue, and you're right, you don't see that a lot in team titles, and mm-hmm. I think that's a integral, an integral aspect of team titles is mm-hmm. that each character they gotta get their moment. Yeah, it's so important. And even though Deathstroke got the spotlight, yeah, Priest is so good at getting everyone a moment. And mm-hmm. again, even these little teeny moments, even though um, Deathstroke is the main character of this issue and right. has the spotlight, even these tiny little moments. Priest is able to get across the personalities of all the characters, even in the span of just two to three panels, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it doesn't take much. That's how <laughs> good of a writer he is. That's how well he knows the personalities. Yep. That's impressive writing. We can do that in just a few panels. Yes. That's the mark of good writing. Definitely. Uh, so I'm going to be sad when uh, I'm excited for Snyder. Of course. Yeah. But I'll be a little sad to see Priest go. I'll admit it. Yeah. I'll admit it. it. Because I think he's done great on this title. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, the way I look at it, as long as he continues to do Deathstroke, I'll mm-hmm. be a happy man. Yes. And hopefully some people hop aboard Deathstroke's title. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, I think they'll be... a little bit better. I think they'll be happy. Um, Art-wise, you know, Pete Woods, I, I... Pete Woods is a good artist. Yes. And I have liked his stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I like his stuff more when he is not doing the pencils, the inks, and the colors. Yeah. Um, because this was not the best stuff that I've ever seen from P. Woods. No. It looked, um, to me, rushed and yeah. hurried, and I don't know if he had a time, a deadline mm-hmm. trying to meet or, or what was going on, but it, it was not up to... It's, it wasn't up to the standard of, of his art that I've seen in the past. Yeah, and it it didn't really match what we... I mean, like, yeah, the settings are still the same. Characters still look the same. But there's just such a, a detail in the previous issues yes. to this. Like, when you have... When you see the big, large scale of how many refugees there are yes. in the last issue, the satellite, yes. it's like... Wow, this really feels like this is a big deal. Something that's happening. Yes. And it's like, wow. But this one's just like, well, it looks like a comic book. There are thing. no details. There are no details. There are no details. The backgrounds are very, very blank. Mm-hmm. Very basic blank backgrounds. Yeah. Very little detail in the background. That's usually mm-hmm. a dead giveaway of a hurried artist. Yes. Because you look at the little panel, Stephen. I mean, it's like, are there, is there, oh, you see the characters. Right. And then there's just zero in the background. Uh, you know, that that was a bit of a downer. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, how would you grade out Justice League 42? Um, Christopher Priest gets a, gets a nine. He's just, he's so good at everything. Because <laughs> he can write the uh, the hopeful characters, and he can write the, the more badass characters, oh, and he can yeah. write the yeah. 
the confused, we're trying to have lunch with Superman, um, which I thought that was a great line, yeah. too. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. was over lunch? <laughs> 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 and um, and stuff like that. And he just... I mean, and he's and he still has me intrigued in what's happening. They yep. had the fan in their hands. Yep. And now we don't know if he was the actual bad guy. Nope. That's it's great. Crazy. I know. It's awesome. But... Yes, yeah, so I'm super pumped to see where this goes. So yeah, that'd me be too. A, that'd be a nine, and the art I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, that's I think yeah. it's actually you know, damn it, Stephen, I've got to end on a note like this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you though. I think the writing is as honestly is is uh, it's nine night girls out of ten. It's just yeah. good writing, mm-hmm. and uh, the art I'm gonna go six night girls out of ten. I'm just like you. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just I've seen better from Pete Woods. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, my friend, not a bad selection of comics. A few, mm. a couple of, you know, we, well, look, we only had two clunkers, Venomized 1 and Batman 44. Yeah. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Right? Only one, uh, yeah, and one barely passed the uh, the clunker mark, which is Avengers. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it, it's not been the best week of comics. Sure. But, yeah. you know. We could have talked about Sonic the Hedgehog, but no. Steven really liked Sonic the Hedgehog number one. I did. It was good. He really enjoyed it so much that he's messaging me saying, Sonic, Sonic Hedgehog 1, you got to read it. You got to read it. I did. I did read it. Yes. I did. And it was good. Now, this is an example of a mm-hmm. good um, kid's title. Yes. This is a good kid title. I can't <laughs> imagine any kid who would read that and not have fun. Exactly. And I like the art. Oh yeah, nice, um, nice uh, cartoon kind of cartoony style art. art. Yeah, yeah, really good cartoony art though. Yep, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I was I was amazed. I did yep. not think I was going to enjoy it at all. But no, this is that is a good example of um, a nice kid friendly title. Yes, and it um, and while also paying tribute paying tribute to the okay, so this is why people liked him from the games. And yeah. this is yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing all the, the cool stuff that he can do. And, yeah, he's got the attitude. But it's like, you know, a football player who's really arrogant, but they're really good. Yes. He kind of let it go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, some people get a pass. And um, and even they had certain moments like um, at the end of it, Sonic and Tails have a little team up and take out the robots. And Sonic's like, okay, I'm going to go to the next one. You want to come with me? And Tails looks and sees the destruction. It goes, you know what? You go ahead. I'll stay here. Mm-hmm. Like, even little moments like that, that mm-hmm. build character and all that is so good. Um, I was I was super excited when I heard they were going to IDW and released from Archie. Yeah, from I the am grip too. of Archie. And yeah. I mean, Archie gave us that cool Sonic Mega Man crossover. Yeah. I did like that. But I, I think IDW has proven... Um, has proven their success at handling uh, mm-hmm. licensed properties. Yes. Uh, the only thing that they have done that I thought was idiotic was kill Snake Eyes. Yeah. I'm not letting go of that, Stephen. I'm not letting go. We're not going to do it. We're not going to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, but other than that, no, IDW, I think, is really proven to be a really good uh, publisher for, oh, yeah. uh, for licensed properties. They've really impressed me with their work on all their licensed properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that used to be just like. License properties are like an embarrassment. Yeah, but yeah. now no, ID, some of the best IDW has really put a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. It's not, and hey, it's paying off for them though. I mean, God, have they scooped up every licensed property possible out there, Stephen? Uh, pretty much like for Star Wars and they got st- they got Star Trek, Doctor Who, Sonic. They got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Joe, Rom, Rom, Micronauts. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think they've pretty much got everything. They, they got Power- the Cartoon Network ones. Do they have Power Rangers. No, that's boom. That's boom. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's boom. Okay, that's the only so one they don't. So one. That's the only one they don't have, though. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, 
Mark it. They're going to get it soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't surprise me at the rate they're going. I mean, might as well. Jeez. I'm all for it. Yeah. They've proven that. They've proven it with me. Don't th- <laughs> doesn't IDW also have a no? Who has James Bond? Uh, Dynamite. Dynamite has James That's Bond. Right. That's right. No, they've done a good job with it. Oh yeah, but still, IDW has really proven that you can. Yeah, you can excel doing licensed properties. Oh yeah, absolutely. We need a He-Man comic. I think that's DC's. Isn't it? I know. Can DC give it up? <laughs> can DC give it up to IDW? Please. Mm. They might do one of them wacky crossovers like they've been uh, doing. I don't want to see those anymore. Ah. I don't like that's like watching that's like watching your parents have sex. I don't like those comics. <laughs> you don't like you don't like Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes. No. I haven't read it. I just thought that was just a random one to pull like out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of the I don't like any of DC's um Hanna Barbera titles. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. That's hmm. like watching your parents have sex. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. It's just, it's horrible. I don't need to see Hanna-Barbera perverted into some kind of adult story. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Just keep it. They're, they're child cartoons. Please yeah. don't, please. I, it just felt creepy and sleazy reading adult versions of those. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, only people who like to hang out in porn stores would like to read those comics. Like, it just had that creepy, creepy feeling. I don't know. It just I've me. been waiting just, for them to just ugh. assemble all their little animal characters to like form like a Hanna Barbera League or something. Oh god! Like instead of like, but not like an adult version, but like the classic cartoon. Oh no! Now I would love Hanna Barbera cartoon comics. Like, right. but cartoon, like the original cartoons, like kid right. friendly, mm-hmm. kid innocent. <laughs> George Jetson's just the guy who pushes a button to go to work. There's nothing ever creepy or weird or modern about it that makes me sad and want to curl up in a fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that note, Stephen, on the note of crying in a fetal position. That's how oh, we end podcasts. That's, that's I how wanted to end on something positive, <laughs> but I, I had to it. go here. I took it there, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> All right, my friend. Anyhow, until next time, viva la revolucion. <laughs>